and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I'm talking with my friend, Anne Vicari. What is up, Anne? Hi, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so excited to finally get you on here and chat. Thank you. I'm really excited to be on here, finally. <laughs> We've spoken before <laughs> on the Scenic Cast, and um, it, it's always delightful talking to you. And so I've really been looking forward to to get you on a show where where who knows what we're going to talk about, but here we are. <laughs> Yes, I am ready, and I'm ready for you to, like, pull me back. Like, let's not go that far. So. Let's not go that far. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Which you have all freedom to do. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so, yeah, before we started here, we were kind of talking about some stuff. Um, that one of the questions I wanted to ask you is you went to school for, like, English, right? I did. Yeah, I uh, studied English literature, even though I wanted to study acting. But, you know, like any parent would do, my dad was like, no, you need to get a real degree. <laughs> so I thought, you know, well, as an actor, you read scripts, and you're still taking in a story and things like that. So for me, um, yeah, I just felt like literature was the next best thing. Um, but yeah, I was in college for like, like seven years, because I transferred and stuff. Oh, okay. That's cool. So, like, what was your journey in college then? Like, where did you start and where did you transfer? Oof. Well, I... <laughs> I <started. laughs> Don't hold back. <laughs> all, yeah, right? So, uh, I started uh, in New York City at Marymount Manhattan, which is uh, it's a, it's a relatively small uh, college. It's on the Upper East Side. Very fancy-schmancy. Um, and there, I just... It was... It was more for the arts in terms of acting and singing and things like that. And at the time, I thought I could double major in acting, and I couldn't. So then I transferred to Pace University, which is also in the city. Um, and that was much better. Um, and then I got to study abroad for a semester in London, which is where my obsession of London comes from. But um yeah. So, and I also loved history too, but so for me, English and history just really complemented each other. And man, I, I ate that shit up. I love it. But also I love movies. So there you go. Oh, wow. I, I've never been to London before. It's one of those places that I would love to visit. Um, oh, I feel like you would freak out in, in a good way. In a good way. Well, especially from the history side too, because I mean, it's when you, when you get to Europe, and you, you compare the history in Europe to the history in the United States, it's, it's just so much different. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that so much of the history in the United States just isn't, isn't kind of widely taught. A lot of it's kind of swept under the rug. And, and I think moving forward in the future, more of that'll come to light, but yeah. you know, just looking at the type of history that's gone through England, I mean, I mean, there was, you know, Romans going through there and stuff, right. you know, I mean, it's, it, it's just yeah. mind blowing. And, you know, the megalithic structures that are there, like Stonehenge, and it's, mm -hmm. it's all very, very, I don't know, it, it, like, I, I just imagine a place like that has a, a very different vibe than you'd get in America. Right. And that I think that's what attracted me to it so much. And, and like you said, with the history of the US, it's so, we haven't been around for that long, you know, and when we were around, we were awful. And it's, you know, so <laughs> I feel like Europe and other countries, they've had time, centuries to kind of mess up, rebuild, find out what they want to stand for, things like that. But um, but yeah, so, you know, 
I do find some portions of U.S. history interesting, but like you, it's so foreign for us being here in the States. Whereas, you know, if you're from England, you know, you pop over to Germany for the weekend, you pop over to Paris. Like, we can't do that. For us, this is just like, it's magical to explore Europe. Um, but yeah, history. If you do go to London, uh, there's remnants of the Roman wall uh, still by like the Tower of London. Um, it's just like you're walking down the street and there's this cathedral from like 1350. I just, I love that. I just eat it up. So when you go, just, just keep your eyes open for everything. It's, oh, I could go on. I could make a podcast <laughs> myself about London. <laughs> what was um, the impetus to going there then? Um, so I, I did get to go when I was around 11. I was really lucky. Um, and my parents decided. Oh, so you've been multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I've just been so, so lucky. So yeah, when I was 11, it was a family trip. My dad wanted to go to Italy. My mom wanted to go to Rome. I mean, um, she wanted to go to Ireland. And so they were like, all right, let's pick halfway. Let's just do London. <laughs> That's funny. Um, right? And so when I went, we one of the first things I remember is going to the Tower of London. And that, like, especially as a kid, this is what you see in movies, and, like fairy tales and things like that. And just to be in front of something so old. And, you know, they still have... Um, the writings in the walls that's covered by plexiglass now, the writings uh, on the wall from prisoners, you know, they had famous people there. Um, you know, I think uh, Queen of Scots, she was there. She was beheaded there. The Boleyn women, all of Henry VIII's wives, things like wow. that. And it's just stepping back in time. And, oh, God. so I just fell in love. And then after uh, high school, my mom took me for like a weekend trip, very quick, but that was like a gift to me um, at the time. And I again, bet that was, was really awesome. Oh, it was, just, I couldn't believe it when she told me. I was like, what? And she's like, it's just for the weekend. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> day. Oh my God. And then she really helped me um, discover other parts of England. So, we have uh, some family members who are in Manchester. I got to go there. I got to go to Oxford and see the university. Like, I just was so fucking lucky. And then when I was in college, I'm like, okay, if I can study abroad, I'm definitely going there. <laughs> so I worked really hard. And luckily, I got to go. Um, yeah. How does that work? Um, it's really complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you have to, I had to file for uh, financial aid to help me transfer, you know, to help pay for the added, uh, you know, room and board and whatnot. Okay. And then. Okay. Really so room and board is worked into it. It is. It is. And so, uh, and then also with my advisor, they have to like approve certain credits and certain classes that can be basically interchangeable from uh, the semester you do abroad. And okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it was. But of course, the advisor I had, um, I think they got fired maybe two years later and they totally messed up my transcripts. Oh, no. So when I got to London, they were like, oh, you can't take these classes yet. And I was like, what? <laughs> but I was able to fix it. But it was just like, what the hell? Um, yeah, but oh, that experience was, yeah, 
that sticks with me. And I think it was 11 years ago now um, when I went and it feels like yesterday. <laughs> what was the classroom setting there like versus classes in the States? Oh, that's a good, um, I just feel like it was more put together, if that makes sense. And of course it depends on the professors, but I don't know. I just really liked how they incorporated the city uh, that we were in. I mean, I was taking classes like literary London, history of London, things like that, where they took us out for the day. And like, instead of reading oh, cool. about, yeah, instead of reading about this place, why don't we go to the place? And that, oh my God, that's still to this day. I'm like, God, I'm actually here. <laughs> it, it's just stunning. It's amazing. My wife and I went to Germany, and one of the things we did there, one of like the the touristy things we did, was we went to a, a like a medieval like city site where oh. like there was still like the big wall around it and everything, and like the the granite cobblestones in like all throughout the streets in there, they were so worn down on the edges, and like the 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 more modern city that we were staying in, like it had like brand new pavers, and so like spending the day walking on the brand new pavers and then going to that like medieval like type city and then seeing them all rounded off. It's like, wow. Like, I wonder how old these are that it took them long to wear down granite, but just, right? just that vibe there. But the coolest part was, is that there was a, um, a tour guide that as we walked through, he was like pointing out all this different stuff and giving kind of history lessons on it. And it was so fascinating to be in a place like that with such rich history and then have a knowledgeable person there. So I bet those college classes were, oh. I mean, I bet you learned so much. I really did. And I'm really happy. I kept my notes because I don't remember half that shit. <laughs> of course. Right. Yeah. You can almost yeah. read through the notes and then like, it'll spark memories. Right. Right. Oh, that's right. I did know a lot more when I was younger. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that much older, but you know what I mean? It, yeah. And then, you know, um, the, college itself was amazing because they would also set up weekend trips um day trips so they really helped people out in terms of if they really want to understand not this culture but just how just all these different opportunities that you can do um and you know i was just able to go to kent and just all these places that i never thought i would go to i was fine sticking to london but it was like, oh, you're letting us do this? Okay, cool. And even though it was like five <laughs> in the morning, you'd have to wake up and I'm not a morning person. So oh, I was like, no. <laughs> this must, yeah, I was like, this must mean a lot to me because I never get up at five. But to go and see a cathedral, like I said, from like, you know, 1300s, it's worth it. <laughs> I'm such a morning like, person that it's actually offended people before. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I wish I was. Cause I feel like I'd be much more successful in my life. <laughs> so good on you. I don't you know. Do in that. most social interactions, like I really am like a, like a human, like Labrador retriever. Like you I'm just very that. like, Oh, Hey, what's up? What's up? How's it going? <laughs> and it was like super early in the morning and I'm talking to these guys and I'm like, good morning, gentlemen. How are we all doing this morning? And I remember this guy turns around with just look on his face and he's just like, is this all some fucking act? Like, like, are you actually this fucking happy right now? And I'm like, yeah, why not? It's a beautiful day. They had all sorts day. of reasons why not. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. My mom's like that. God love her. It's just, I felt so bad. I mean, you know, growing up when you're a teenager, but she's just like, hi, how you doing? And I'm like, no, 
<laughs> first. Yeah, I definitely wasn't like that when I was younger. I, yeah, that's true. God, that I remember my mom used to pop in my room in the morning and she'd sing this like wake up song and oh god. Oh no. Yeah, it was. I would always be so angry. <laughs> I'm singing that fucking song. <laughs> Maybe that's why you're like singing happier songs in the morning. You're just like, you know what? Now I actually have a reason to be happy in the morning. Thanks, I think it's mom. just because I'm like in full dad mode now, and so I just like my body just wakes me up at like five in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. like, hey, time to go sit out in the living room with the cats and drink coffee okay. in silence. Yes. yes. <laughs> and sometimes you need that in your life. Silence. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know Jack is always very happy about it because that means that like he's immediately going to come over and park himself on my chest. <laughs> it's like trying to drink coffee with a big, giant, long-haired cat on your chest is always really challenging. A little bit. I mean, it could be like a cup warmer, too. So there you go. <laughs> Gotta try that out. <laughs> you have a cat too, don't you? I do. I have two now. No, um, two cats too. Oh yes. Um, my cat uh, Gemma. I got her eleven years ago. Um, and then when I moved in with my boyfriend, he had a similar looking cat, but uh, he's Wilson and he's huge. <laughs> I'll send you a picture one of these days. It literally looks like you copy and pasted. And got two cats. But one is huge and one is a little smaller. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> oh my god. And of course my cat, the female, is like she still bats Wilson away, but he just he's just like a big brother and he just I always say he just wants to build a snowman and Gemma just won't and she'll just like hit him in the face and run away and then he'll look at me like, What did I do? And I just feel so I can't explain it to him. It's so hard. We have two boys. They're just a year apart in age. I think they're like, like maybe three and two or two and one, maybe something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm terrible with time. I know me too. And like recording the passage of it in my brain, like it's 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 awful. It's so bad. But uh, like like if the police were ever like, where were you on a certain date? I'd be like, fucking beats me, man. All the time, I watch so many true crime things, and I'm like, how do people? Rem- oh yeah, it was a Monday. I remember it was cold. It was like eight twenty three, maybe eight twenty four. I'm like, what? I know. We don't who even are know these what people? We did five minutes ago. Wait, wait. Exactly. I don't- they have to be making it up. As a cop, I would not take that down. <laughs> but yeah, but, but my my kitties. So Jack is the older one. He's the domestic long hair. Thor is the domestic short hair. Oh my god! And are- and they get along so good. Like oh. like they sleep cuddled up together all the time. Uh, they they do like little cat jitsu like play <laughs> matches where they'll like roll around on the floor and like. But, like, it never gets to the point where it looks like, you know, Tasmanian devil. You know, like, what right. it usually looks like when two cats are fighting and it's, like, terrifying and there's demon noises right. and fur flying it's everywhere. Like fur, yeah, yeah. It's never been like that. And so, like, Thank God. my boys are growing up looking at this and I'm like, guys, this is, I grew up with cats. I grew up in a house with multiple cats and I've never seen cats that get along this well together. Like, like That's this, so this is incredible <laughs> that the, yeah. the, the, these fights don't turn into a, a goddamn nightmare. <laughs> oh my God. Cause yeah, people usually say that like, oh, you're introducing another cat. Good luck with that. But then you see like, even with cat and dogs, you see on Instagram, all these cat and dogs that are just like, 
brother and sister. It can't happen. It that, can't. That was like that with my mom and dad. They they had this. Well, they still have this tomcat named Smokey, and he's like. Um, kind of looks like a Russian blue almost, but he's just like a very dark gray cat like that. Um, mm. I don't think he's actually a Russian blue, but he's just dark colored like that. And he's just this big, chonky Tomcat. And they had a golden retriever for a while that when uh, her name was Lizzie. And so when Lizzie was just a puppy and they're about the same size, they would lay like curled up like together, like right in the sunlight in front of the door and stuff like that. It was always super cute. Oh my, that's like a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, they were like best friends. It was so cute. And... Oh, now see, so you grew up with cats. Yes. You said. Have you ever yourself had a dog or that was just your parents? So when, when Lindsay and I got um, first got our house in, we got it in September of 2006. We got our first dog then in October of 2006. And, oh, wow. and she was a, a purebred Shih Tzu. She was uh, black and white, so she kind of looked like a panda. And uh, we named her Emma, and she was she was our first kid. She was such a good girl. Oh and, my goodness! And and she passed a a, a few years ago, but mm. when when she was like kind of like on her way out, that's when we got Jack, and they were oh. they were very good together. And so what's funny now is that Jack like he displays certain tendencies that is exactly like what Emma did. And so we always laugh and we're like, oh my God, look, he's still Emma trained. Like, like when we're eating supper, like Thor could yeah. care less. Thor's nowhere near around us. But when we're eating supper, Jack is sitting under the table at our feet. Oh. And we're like, oh my God, it's like a little part of Emma. Because <laughs> yeah. that's where Emma would have been no matter what. If oh it was supper time, she was going to be under our feet hoping we would drop something, you know? Oh my God, Emma's up there and she's like, Jack. Try to get some. Yeah, yeah, totally. what I do. They'll drop something at some point, I swear. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, she She lived a good long life and, and she eventually got to the point where she was just, you know, really old and really sick and she wasn't eating anymore. And it kind of yeah. got to the point where she barely couldn't even stand to, to support herself up while she was drinking water. And so, <laughs> and so, yeah, we took her in and, 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 you know, had her put to sleep and. It was a really rough, sad day. The boys handled it really, really good. Um, oh, wow. I, How I, old were they? Um, they were, at the time, probably like 8 and 11, maybe? Right wow. around um, Yeah, they, they took it really well, though. And, and like, I bought, or I didn't, I bought, I, um, I built a little coffin for her. Out of, out of plywood and so we had like a little funeral for her and they all got to like say their goodbyes to her and we when, when we when we uh when we got emma when she was a little puppy she came with this this little puppy blanket that we still had and so i buried her with it too oh that is and, so sweet yeah. oh that's amazing that i mean you know it's never easy losing a pet but no <laughs> little was... things that you know kind of not help it's just oddly comforting a little bit and every bit helps. It's just, yeah. Losing pets are awful. Awful. Yeah, I, I tried to go to work that day too. And I remember at one point, <gasps> like a coworker day. called me and he's like listening to my voice. And he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, dude, no, I, I, like I, I, I just called a little bit ago and scheduled like the end of life visit, like for my dog. Mm -hmm. And he's like, why are you at work right now? And I'm like, that's right. a valid question. I'm using PTO and getting out of here. Oh, good. Oh, and, I'm glad that friend said like, dude, you, 
You need to take that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. You need to do that. Yeah, because, you know, I'm I'm the type where it's like, like, I, I don't use sick time unless I'm deathly sick. And, you know, that oh, like, you yeah. know, that that sort of stuff. And so it was yeah. it was good to have somebody to be like, dude, this is a yeah, totally is valid a- reason to not be here. Like, you look like you're totally broken right now. <laughs> and it's oh. like, yeah, it was. It was I so sad, you know. That was that was my little girl, and oh, God, I remember just God. losing it in the vet's office too. Oh, I was I was really good uh, up and until mm. it actually happened, you know. And and when she went still, and then it was oh, it was just waterworks. Oh God! Ish, ugh, yeah, I we had a family dog growing up, and I think she was like sixteen. She was like a big. She was a Siberian Husky, and oh, just, they're so pretty. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was weird because this was like before Huskies became popular, I guess. So whenever she would escape, and she would escape all the time <laughs> from the house, from our yard. They're athletic Huskies. dogs. Oh my God. And they're little Houdinis, I swear. She would escape <laughs> and people would call the local PD and be like, I think there's a wolf loose from the zoo. <laughs> right. And I was like, no, that's our dog. Please don't do anything. <laughs> And she, I mean, I learned about the circle of life from her because she, uh, she kind of massacred my uh, little zoo that I had in my room. Oh, no. I would, I would have like, oh, maybe three gerbils, a hamster, a bird, and a goldfish at one time. And she got into my room when we were, I think we were at church of all places. And I remember my sisters were like, they saw that the chairs that were blocking the upstairs were moved. And so my parents kind of, I was like 11. My parents kind of gave them the eye, like, did you check on her room? And so they came back down and they're like, yeah, Heidi got to them. <laughs> so oh, was like, no. A of little tiny body. <laughs> right. You go into your bedroom as an abattoir. <laughs> this is too much. Too much for my tiny brain. <laughs> right, right. And like. To this day, my sisters are like, she didn't even eat them. She just like tortured them. I was like, you know, you didn't have to tell me that. I know it's years later. (laughs) (laughs) But but I also basically at the time when it happened, my parents were like, oh, you know, we're really sorry. This happens. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I mean, she's an animal. She didn't know any better. And that's what animals do. Yeah. And so, like, you know, and and it was it was hard. But at the same time, you're just like, (laughs) He's an animal. She's a dog. Like that is just it wasn't personal. Just she smelled food in my room and came in and got it. <laughs> <laughs> we but, got uh, we got Jack yeah. from my mom and dad's backyard. He was born under their garden shed. And oh, their their one dog is very, very hyper. <laughs> her, her name's Ellie and she is like she is a dog times 10 like she's just very stoked on everything and she went full Lenny from Mice and Men like on these kittens back there where like mom looked out the back window and Ellie was back there picking up kittens in her mouth and flipping them up in the air Oh, and so they went out there and there was just a pile of dead kittens with broken limbs and stuff. It was just fucking like, oh, my. And like my mom and dad love animals. I mean, they were feeding the stray cats. Like, I don't know how much dad was spending on cat food, but he was literally filling them like a a, like a garbage can lid full of cat food. They would like leave out there. And so he's like feeding every stray in the neighborhood. And like and, and then my mom was like. 
like oh there's there's two kittens that are left <laughs> and 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 they're they're both white long hairs with bright blue eyes and i'm like i and i told my wife at the time we'd been talking about getting a cat and mm-hmm. and cuz we you know you know emma was getting on an age and and yeah. and i told i described jack to my wife and she's like okay yeah let's go up and look at him and so there was a a boy and a girl and we ended up taking the boy and because i was obsessed with wanting a tomcat I was like, no, I want a big giant tomcat. They're so cool. And yeah. um, and we get him home. And, like, he's a little scraggly looking. But, I mean, he was born under a garden shed, right? What do you expect? Exactly. Well, yeah. he was scraggly looking because he was covered in ringworm. And we all oh. got it, too. <laughs> all up in our arms and on oh. our sides. And, like, we have oh. we have pictures of our youngest, Liam. Like, no shirt on, just cuddling Jack bare chest. Against. <laughs> oh, my God. You it, will never forget that, I guess. Oh, God. We went through <gasps> so much, like... um. Uh, what was it, like Lotrimin or whatever the fuck that, that oh cream is like cortisone cream you know? oh, <laughs> it was so gross uh, so I was awful. so ashamed I didn't want to wear short sleeves anywhere in public because I had these big reds. <laughs> to this day you're still like nope nope can't do that <laughs> oh, well, to this day now I'm like no matter how cute that stray is you don't fucking pick it up oh crap alright yeah you know, I if, should not if you do pet that it wash your hands with soap <laughs> Treat it, treat it like it's a doorknob and it might be covered in COVID. You know? <laughs> Spray disinfectant, not in you, but on you. <laughs> so that that was our experience with Jack. He he got us all oh, very, amazing. very ringwormy. It was disgusting. Oh, that's, that's an amazing origin story. <laughs> that's perfect. Oh my gosh. But yeah, yeah. oh, I love our kitty cats. They are... They're, they're so weird. They're very weird. They're funny. Um, I went for a long time thinking, well, I still think I am kind of allergic to them, but like, mm. like I take an allergy pill every day, but also I think just living with them for so long has helped also, but cause I grew yeah. up with them and so I never really noticed it. But then after I moved out and I would come back and visit my mom and dad's house, it would be like, I can be here for about a half hour before I can't breathe. Oh man. And so... Eesh. Yeah, and so we we got Emma because it was like, oh, well, Shih Tzus are kind of hypoallergenic. They don't really trigger that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, I can have Emma, but you know, I don't think we could have a cat. But mm-hmm. Jack was so pretty that I was like, oh, and, and this is even with ringworm. He was so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> if he didn't have ringworm, you're like, eh, not the cutest. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, he's... Oh, he's man. he's such a diva too. Oh my god, he's been he was just wanting attention nonstop today, just walking around <gasps> meowing at your feet. Oh my god, that's Wilson. Oh my god, he will not stop. <laughs> no, like we're just yelling at him. What do you want? You give him everything. It's like it's almost as if we don't feed him, and then all he wants to do is just cuddle, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's totally so, Jack. Yeah, is he kind of like a dog? That's what I. Wilson's like a dog, basically. I don't think he knows he's a cat. I mean, kind of like Jack, but like Jack has the cat tendency to just kind of stand off to the side and look at you with like a very judgy look on his face. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> like like he's harshly criticizing everything you're doing. <laughs> That's him. 
Oh, no. Oh, he was doing man. that to me earlier when I was rushing around before we were starting to record and he was following me around meowing. And I'm like, dude, it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm I'm pretty busy. I got stuff going on right now. And like he just sat in the hallway and narrowed his eyes at me and just continued to stare. I'm like, oh, I'm oh, feeling that. I feel like if you turn around now, he's still there staring at you. <laughs> right. <laughs> nothing worse than a cat staring in at nothing. You ever have that where they're just like staring at a ghost, I guess? Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? And I think it's a fly. And then by the time I'm like looking for the fly and I look back, they're somewhere else looking at the ghost. I'm like, you know what? I don't care anymore. Just, <laughs> just stop freaking me out. Jack does that with a wall in our house. And mm. to the point where we all refer to it as, oh, Jack's staring at his wall again. And like, he'll just <laughs> sit there and like, just stare at it. Oh my God. And it's like, Imagine. No, just imagine if like you guys do uh, renovations and then you find that there's a body in the wall. Awesome. (laughs) Well, not for you guys, I guess. (laughs) No, not 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 as awesome for us. He was right. (laughs) Luckily, I've had those walls stripped down to the studs, so I at least know there's no bodies in the lower four feet of it. (laughs) Good job. Get that out of the way. (laughs) Uh, But it's like I don't know. It's like is he. Because, like, at night, if a car goes by a certain direction, we've got, like, a little half-moon window on top of our front door. And so, like, you know, that light from the car going by will kind of, like, race down the the hallway wall. And so it's like, is that? Does he just sit in there just waiting for that to happen? Or or what is it? (laughs) (laughs) But he is, he's enamored by it. You'll wake up at two in the morning and he's out there fucking staring at it like a psycho. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. <laughs> Until you start thinking I, hard about it, laying in bed after you went pee. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck is he staring at out there? <laughs> what is going on? Is whatever he's staring at going to come in here and stare at me? Like Haunted right. Hill House style? Do I have to, like, worry about it or just leave you alone? <laughs> could you just... no, that's why I wish we could ask our cats things or pets. Like, one, if they're sick, but then also, is there impending doom that you should have me be aware of balance. Well, and there's a part of me that, you know, it's like, I have a very, very active imagination. I always have. And oh, like mm-hmm. you add in the fact that it's like, okay, the Egyptians said that the cats were guardians <laughs> of the underworld. Is he staring <laughs> at some ghost shit? But it's like, we've been here for a long time and I haven't seen any ghosty shit yet. But like, okay, okay th- this is how lazy I am. But I also think it's kind of innovative. I have a, a like a cellar under my house. And so it's like mostly crawl space, but like with with a little bit bigger space where like some utilities are like the furnace and the water heater and shit like that. But like the the walls around that are like stacked limestone. Like it's almost like reminiscent of like Hannibal Lecter's cell in Silence of the Lambs. Like my cellar is not an inviting, awesome place. Like when there's a tornado alert, we hunker down in the hallway and hope for the best. But we're not going in that fucking cellar. it's not gonna happen but every once in a while i have to go down there and make sure that you know the floor is not wet the the sewer hasn't backed up something awful like that you know but it's like that's like every few months i go down there to to change the furnace filter right and so it's like i gotta battle through all these cobwebs it's just not pleasant and so i put in a wi-fi camera down there so i can just check with my phone and it has night vision, so it's just in that like, creepy paranormal activity, black and white. And so I check it. I get in there, and I dip out fast 
because I, I want to see something like come shambling oh, into frame, you know? Oh, it's... No. oh, God. Oh, God. I'm with you. I, I'm so bad. Like, my my imagination is too good. Yes, just, right? I was like, stop it. I wish you were awful. Stop it. <laughs> you, know what, you know what random thought I had the other day? This, this is a defense against that overactive ag- imagination. I should just fully expect that something creepy is going to happen. Like, yeah. like I'm looking at my family photo. I should just imagine that all the eyes are going to turn black and start bleeding. Or, you know, I'm looking in this mirror next to me. I should just imagine something's going to appear behind me. And so when it happens, I'm just like, haha, I knew you were coming, bro. Right? I don't but think no, I'm that cool, though. I don't think I could actually pull it off. No. I mean, it's a good buildup to be like, yeah, you got this. You got this. You but got the second this. it happens, you piss yourself. <laughs> I knew you were coming, Mr. Ghost. <laughs> Then they're like, oh, man. Oh, if it's like that fucking nun from The Conjuring, I'm dead. Oh, Oh my God. I went to a Halloween party and someone was dressed as the nun. I almost ran out. Oh, fuck that. Especially if they got the makeup dialed in. No, fuck that. Oh, the makeup wasn't that good, thank God, because it was kind of like a last minute Halloween (laughs) thing. I was like, I do not like how you had a nun's outfit like in your closet. Explain (laughs) that, because you're terrifying me. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I just had a habit laying around. (laughs) Right, you know, as you do. (laughs) No, unless you love torturing and scaring children, then yeah, sure. (laughs) So maybe the week before they went somewhere dressed as a penguin. (laughs) Right? Right? Oh, God. Yeah. I can't remember which comedian said it, but somebody said something about the Catholic religion like being based on hat size. And it really cracked me up. <laughs> it's, it's like you see the oh Pope my. with the big giant hat. You know? Yes. Oh my God. Now I'm thinking about it and like the Cardinals and. Oh my goodness! Someone should write a book on that. <laughs> so, so you like grew up Catholic, like in a Catholic family, right? Yeah, yeah, like, uh, like Irish Catholic and Italian Catholic. So oh my! Yeah. <laughs> Heavy doses yeah. of Catholicism. <laughs> oh God, it's never going to leave my body. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they put us all in Catholic school, so that was fun. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm happy that I didn't really get I got like I would say everyone got mentally um, abused by the nuns but I know my sisters because they're a few years older than me when they were in Catholic school I think one of the nuns slapped them in the face because she colored outside the lines and (laughs) that's what Jesus would do I mean beat some kids (laughs) what would Jesus do slap her in the face and then my other sister got in trouble because she wore nail polish and the nun called her a whore. Oh so. my goodness. Again. Right. What? What? So, yeah. So I think in second grade, my parents were like, all right, let's bring her to public school, <laughs> which had its own difficulties. But, you know, at least it wasn't being screamed at by a nun. But yeah, I'm it was just, oh yeah, it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't fun. But then, you know, I, I do... Uh, I do have uh, two uncles who are priests. Um, one's a monsignor, and you know, church was every Sunday and things like that. But I did like how my dad and mom they would still like to have like theological debates, and also you know, answering our questions that we have as kids about religion. Um, 
in your and you know being like dad that's a little weird that like virgin mary like all this guy just like inserted a baby like we, we weren't let you know we weren't lying down taking it we would challenge them and they were very they were happy about that because you know you should ask questions and you know that's how you learn more and then my dad he uh he was also into philosophy so a lot of the conversations when I was younger I didn't partake because I was like five and just everyone else going around the table giving like their little little like dissertations and theories and thesis so yeah it's just it was an interesting way of growing up Catholic um yeah and I I don't really I don't practice it now but um you know I, I think I would say through my experience yeah I'm spiritual but yeah I think it's, I think our generation, um, it's very interesting when you talk to other people, like, oh, what, what did you grow up? What kind of household did you grow up in? And a lot of people just aren't really into religion anymore. And, um, you know, for various reasons, but um, that's always interesting, that shift that happens later. And, and, you know, you do find more things out, you know, especially with the whole um, controversies mm-hmm. and, allegations and whatnot you know we're more aware of that now than i guess people were in the 50s and whatnot so you know things like that affect it um were you the youngest then yes yeah the baby (laughs) what's the what's the age gap between you and your oldest sibling oh that's a good question um (laughs) okay no i think it's like uh six years uh and then seven okay Yeah. And how many yeah. siblings do you have? Uh, just two. Two older sisters. All girls. Wow. Yeah, right? My dad was so lucky. <laughs> I bet he's very he proud. He was so upset. Like, he just wanted a boy. And he loves <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. And, of course, we all were supposed to be named Thomas. Aww. And then I guess after me, I think he, they were like, all right, forget it. We're not going to get a boy. Just... And then the family dog came, and she was also a girl. So <laughs> I couldn't catch a break. <laughs> uh, yeah, my poor dad. <laughs> now, how how about you? Are you are you a, a single child? Nope, I have uh, one younger sister. Ah, and, nice. And she's um, she's what, a couple years younger than me, almost hmm. to the day. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. so you guys obviously were close growing up. Yes, very, very different, though. Like, I was I was very counterculture growing up. Like, yeah. like I was very much, like, I grew up in, like, a rural Midwestern town, but I was very much into skateboarding. I was into metal, gangster rap, you know? Like, I was I was not into the, 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 the shit that was, that a lot of people were. And it was yeah. to the point almost like, like, it was years after high school before I finally listened to Matchbox 20. And I was like, you know what? These guys are pretty fucking good. I, I'm far enough away that I can admit this now. <laughs> this album's great. I, I wasn't willing to admit this in the 90s, but I can make peace with it now. This was like, this is a true story. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah, but, but like Jamie, she was, Jamie was, um, very very athletic. She started she started varsity volleyball as a freshman and like killed. Like killed. She was so good. She got written up in the paper 
about her. There's a big headline that called her the silent assassin because Jamie was always very reserved around around other people. She was always, of course, very not reserved <laughs> like, like around yeah. her friends and family and stuff. But they, they did a write up on her and called her the silent assassin. I remember I remember one time she spiked a ball and hit the girl on the other side, like drilled her right in the face and just dropped her. And like, she was like, had this look on her face, like, oh no. And I remember the coach was like, you hit a girl in the face of the volleyball, you smile about it. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and so Jamie then also played a lot of club volleyball and um, they would go to nationals all the time on, on her club team. And I remember the, the first time I ever went to Colorado was to go and watch them play in the nationals tournament. And, wow. So she did well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and she eventually went to school at uh, Central College, which is a, a private school in, in Iowa. And she played volleyball there also. And and I'm not sure if the record still stands, but I know for a long time, for whatever division that's in, she held the record for most amount of kills in a season. Oh like, Jamie was fucking rad <laughs> at volleyball. And I was always so proud because, like, I liked sports to an extent when I was younger, just because it was like, you know, oh, you're a little boy, you, sh- you should like sports yet. We're going to, we're going to put you in little league and do all that stuff. And to an extent, I had a lot of fun doing it, but the older yes. I got, the more I realized that, you know, this, this really isn't for me. And also my ankles suck. Like I can roll my ankles walking <laughs> on flat ground. And so like, I was always injured in football because like, you know, my ankles would roll over all the time. And oh, I mean, you know, so it's, it, it just, the, the 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 physical athletic stuff was just never really for me but like all through high school like I really loved like I loved movies I loved reading books um mm-hmm. I've I've always been a huge reader like when I was in high school I read the book it in, in a week oh wow yeah hey. like just fucking crushed it, it like, I remember as a freshman in high school because I think I had two different study halls at that time <laughs> and so I'd like I was in I had a copy from the school library that I kept in my locker and I had my mom's copy at home. <laughs> And I remember I would have to like go between the two with like a page number in my mind. <laughs> like, here's where you left off. But um, so, so, yeah, I, I was very much more into like the like artistic, creative stuff. Whereas um, and like Jamie was like she, she was so like she was such a diligent student. She got very high GPA. She would get super nervous before tests because she cared so, so much. And for me, I was like. Almost every report card I had called me apathetic because I was like, like, I'm not interested in this. I'm going to give you the bare minimum it takes to pass this class. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Teacher, teachers did not like that. I was okay with that. But to this day, I, I, I stand by that because it's like, I don't remember that shit. You taught me that I felt like it wasn't important because you know what? I've been an adult for a long time and I don't use that stuff. Right. Right. That's, that's like one of the funny sayings they say when, uh, you know, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket when you grow up. And it's like, actually, now we do. Yeah. So. And if I turn it sideways, <laughs> it's a scientific calculator. What do you think of that? <laughs> and if I don't know something, I got Google in my pocket. So I, <laughs> it's I, true. Yeah. I, I can I can plot a graph on this calculator on my phone. I don't know what the fuck I'm ever going to need this for. I'm glad you made me learn this and buy a hundred dollar calculator. Right. But balancing a check. I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and that's the sort of like like our our boys are homeschooled now because after the covid debacle oh, yes. in, in Iowa here, like not not there's been many times in my life where I've been proud of Iowa and I've defended living in Iowa and mm. 
but not not with their COVID response and stuff. It was especially like earlier in the year we went and took a vacation to to Colorado. They were so on the ball there. They had like fucking road signs on the side of the road, like mask up, keep Estes Park open. And it's like, fuck, yeah. Like this place is on the ball. And it's like Iowa is just like so yeehaw, shoot from the hip. (laughs) I don't know. Yuck. But um, so anyway, we started homeschooling the kids and like we're actually teaching them like practical courses and like budgeting like and economics and stuff is stuff that they're already learning. Can I take it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I homeschooled for like, I think two separate grades. I I think I just, um, you know, I was so, I had so much social anxiety growing up, but it was like second grade when I was shifting from private school to public school. And then fifth grade, I cannot remember why, but yeah, I really got more out of homeschooling. It's really amazing. And, you know, you do wonder if that's the best best way for kids to learn because yeah i just don't i don't remember half the stuff i was taught for tests right it was sort of like memorize this and then regurgitate it yeah because that's that's the way public school kind of works is that they they get you ready to take and pass a test Mm -hmm. and it's like well shouldn't school be about like teaching valuable (laughs) life skills like at the end of the day it's like yeah you don't want dummies it's important to for them to learn about the 50 states and all the, 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 the history and stuff like that. And there's certain stuff that's super important. But also at the end of the day, we need to be creating kids that are critical thinkers, um, mm-hmm. have a strong work ethic, can, can be proud of the work that they do, basically can be upstanding good members of society, not just people that passed a fucking test. Yes. Seriously. It's not that complicated, but... I don't know if it's agendas and whatnot, but it's just like, why can't we change? Like, you obviously know the issue and, oh, God, it's just too much. And the amount of homework that kids have nowadays, I remember just having way too much homework and I feel like it's gotten worse. Yeah. When the the boys were in elementary school, they were bringing home homework. And and I remember Lindsay and I just looking at me like, what? And and then the new way that they were insisting on teaching math, it's like, what the fuck is this? God. Like that yeah. scene from Incredibles 2 is so valid. <laughs> <laughs> like I had that experience where it's like, like a number one math was in school. Math was my worst subject. Like Same. Yeah. I had to take ACTs for college. I think I got a 14 on the math. Yikes. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but I think yeah. I got a 28 on English. So we'll see, <laughs> balanced you out, <laughs> you know, strengths and, strengths and weaknesses. And so, <laughs> I remember when Lindsay was talking about homeschooling, I'm like, well, I remember you being excited about taking like advanced trigonometry and pre-calculus. So you're going to be able to handle teaching them math. (laughs) And and like, if if they want to talk to me about writing a creative short story or something, (laughs) or if they want to learn how to write a haiku, I'm their guy. Yeah. You're the arts teacher and she's the math and sciences. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's, that's crazy. But well, good for you. Yeah. But, but also I know it, it doesn't, you know, work out for, for everybody's schedule, mm-hmm. especially now in, you know, in the modern world where it seems like the, the ideal of a, a single income household is just not really feasible yeah. anymore. Yeah. And so where do you, where do you have the time to, to try and, you know, homeschool your kids if, if both parents are working full-time jobs and. 
Right. So it's a mess. Yeah. I really don't know how parents are doing it, but also it's like, yeah, this is what teachers have been doing. Oh, um, I can't even imagine. Like, oh, um, my, my friend, Paul Hart, I've had him on the show multiple times and, and he's an <laughs> elementary school teacher and man, just some of the stories he's been telling me, especially through COVID and stuff with them, you know, flip flopping back and forth between doing the online learning or in classroom or just having it change at the drop of a hat and mm-hmm. They have such a hard job. And also my, my younger sister now, what she does, she's a high school teacher. And oh. <laughs> yeah, where we went to high school. And so I was like, wow, kudos to you. <laughs> like, I don't even like going back into the town we grew up in. <laughs> Working at the school there. <laughs> I guess it depends on your memories. She obviously like, had better memories. Yeah. But, you know, me, I my own fault counterculture stuff walking around with a skateboard and stuff like i remember my mom always telling me when i was younger you know like like oh you're like guilt by association you know if 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 you're the group of kids that's just hanging out uptown kicking around a hacky sack at one o'clock in the morning people are going to be talking god i i remember working at a grocery store just out of high school and there was some dude i remember i worked in the deli department forever which was fucking terrible because it Oh, it was, it was so bad, but I eventually got out of the deli department and they moved me to the cannon bottle room where he like, you'd process cannon bottle returns and then collect all the carts from the, the parking lot. And I remember being so excited about it because it wasn't scooping mashed potatoes and gravy, you know, out of the steam case for people and then having to like wash that all at the end of the shift and stuff. But I remember being so excited, but I was like working with all these like kids that were like. I don't know, maybe like three years younger than me. So it's like, I was out of high school. They were still in high school. Oh, man. I hate that. (laughs) But at the time, you know, they were like, they're like, oh, we're having this party. You need to come to my party or whatever. And this dude, he he lived in Cedar Rapids, but he was dating a girl that went to my high school, but was like two years younger than me or something like that. And so he told his girlfriend, like, like, oh, I'm having Joe Stark over. I invited him over. Do you know him? And she's like, he's a bad guy. He's a drug dealer. And so he comes to work and he's like, are you a drug dealer? I'm like, do you think I'd be working in a cannon bottle room of a grocery store if I was some big drug dealer? I was like, ask your girlfriend if she's ever bought drugs from me. Oh, she wouldn't have done that. I'm like, exactly. Because I'm not a drug dealer. And so that's, you know. What kind of drugs are you looking for? (laughs) What do you want? (laughs) And so, yeah, there's there's part of me that like, you know, when I go back to my hometown, sometimes it, it it feels heavy. Because, you know, there's, you know, there's lots of memories and, you know, some, some are painful, some are traumatic <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's easy to not think about that sort of stuff if you're not seeing those haunts, but also the town looks yeah. so much different now than when I was a kid, you know, cause oh, at this point that was 30 years ago. Wow. Jeez, that yeah, happens fast. Great. I have gray in my beard and everything. It's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's insane. It's just, yeah, I went back to my hometown and yeah, it's like getting a little more hipper, but it's just, you know, I have great memories, but it's just so, it's so bittersweet because of course you remember a time where it was much easier because being adult is much harder and right? you didn't think of that back then. And now it's like, oh man, I remember when I was innocent and unaware of the world at hand. It's just, it's a weird time machine. And a lot of people, you know, growing up, they they really hated their town. I 
I was lucky. I, I liked it. Um, but I can understand that idea of like, I need to get out. I need to go somewhere else be around different people. And that just, you know, that just happens naturally. But yeah. So when you were saying earlier that, that originally you wanted to go to school for like acting, like what, what was your, your impetus for that? Did you like do drama and stuff in high school? I tried. It was one of those things where I was just obsessed with film and I really started to get interested in acting purely for just the make believe of it all. Like as a little girl, I wanted to act so I could be, you know, kind of swept away on, on a journey the way you want to, when you're reading a book as a kid and you imagine yourself in that position. And then as I got older, I really appreciated the more, um, the more layers that you peel back as, as an actor would do with a story. And so it kind of just like meshed together where I wanted to act on films just to have that, you know, doing green screens and things like that and having action sequences, getting to be in a period piece. That's what I really, really wanted to do. And in high school, it was sort of like, it was already a group of theater kids. And if you weren't in that group, you weren't going to get cast. Like this, the casting director would only choose the same people every year. And it was just like, I know what you mean. <laughs> right? I think a lot of people, you know, are familiar with that. That's not rare, but it was like musical too. And I, you know, I think now I'm a little more comfortable singing in front of people. Back then, I couldn't do that. Um, but I would still audition. But again, it was like, oh, she's cast again. Oh, him? Yep, he's the lead again. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> politics thing no i it's felt just, i felt like our drama teacher was like you're not putting him in in my production he's a drug dealer <laughs> <laughs> but if you need someone to play a drug dealer then that's the guy ironically she cast me as a cop one year so. <laughs> it's just yeah so i you know i didn't like that and then you know i did some theater um but there were just so many personalities and i don't know if it's being in the city that makes it worse but even when I do background gigs and I'm talking about like I am in a crowd or you know you see my elbow and all these extras are just trying to like puff themselves up and be like oh yes I do this and that and oh I worked with this actor once even though it was like you know in another scene where they're in the crowd and it's just like why do you have to have this big personality when we're all doing the same thing and like no one's gonna see us on camera I was just kind of like, that just got old really fast for me. And kind of crabs and in a bucket just, mentality, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And then just some weirdos, a lot of weirdos, and they latch onto you because you're on set like 13 hours. You go through like a cattle, you get dressed, you get your makeup done, you get food together, you go on breaks. So it's a little hard to like discern who you want <laughs> to talk with because you don't the weirdest know. weirdo? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then you just get a book and you just put your nose in it and don't talk to anyone. <laughs> now, do you have any memorable weirdos that come to mind? Oh, God, too many. Oh, there was, <laughs> oh the one that really, oh, the one that really bothered me was uh, I was working on uh, Boardwalk Empire. And no shit. Again, yeah, yeah. Hey, I that's did. like your thing. It's like even a period piece. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's a funny part because when I got 
accepted to do the background gig, I was like, oh my God, yes. And I was telling my mom, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I'm going to go to the fitting and I'm going to get like these old antique 1920s, 1930s costumes. And I go into the fitting and they're like, oh, so basically you're going to be playing an Egyptian server at a New Year's Eve party and we're going to make a costume for you. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, ah. But at the same time, I really couldn't complain. But it was like me and another girl and we were the servers. And it was a week-long shoot at uh, one of the houses that they used as um, Nucky's uh, home which is beautiful. But this one guy who, again, he was an extra, but he was somebody's bodyguard. And he just bothered me and the other girl so much, like creeper status. And like, you know, I'd be reading my book, obviously not wanting to be bothered. And, you know, he'd like sit behind me and then like tap me on the shoulder and just like, leave me alone. And then I remember this one part before they started filming I think I had my back turned and this, the extra, he like saw me and I had this, like, I wouldn't say a risque dress, but you know, it was, you know, there was like no back things like that. And he just like ran his finger down my back. Oh no. And he was actually playing a bodyguard to Bobby Carnavale. And he saw it and he was like, do you know her? Don't touch her like that. I was like, Oh my God, thank you. No Somebody kidding. That is, just, I get, I'm like, I guess he's been a problem on set because you could tell like people were kind of like looking at him at the corner of his eye, trying to be a big shot, trying to like, you know, just, it was just really obnoxious. And then that was just, yeah. So when that happened, I was like, thank you. Someone is just like, Hey, cut that out. Just weird. And I think that was the weirdest and creepiest. And then other things you just, you know, have a lot of people who, kind of talk to themselves when they're talking at you where it's just like you don't really need me to be here just very talkative not like you like you're interesting whereas other Thank people you. just talk like, <laughs> when they're talkative and you're just like you know i could sneak away and you'd still be talking <laughs> it didn't matter what i said back in response it was like oh okay you just want to vent okay that's cool but, oh my god i randomly like total aside here but i randomly ran into a person like that out at a lake one time where I remember it was, it was when Aiden was just a little boy. And so he was like in a stroller and my wife and I went out to this, like this, uh, like recreational lake area. And we were just kind of walking around and it was a windy day and there was all these dudes wind sailing. And I was like, I'm from Iowa. I've never seen this shit before. I'm a yeah. talker. I'm going to go up and start talking to this guy. Big mistake. Oh, no. oh, God, he gave me like a 20 minute ear beating and like no. in the middle of it. And I remember Lindsay just kept walking by and like kind of smiling at me. And I just wanted to be like, save me. T- <laughs> like, tell tell me anything. S- say the child shit himself and we have to go <laughs> in. Like at one point, I shit you not. And I considered just like turning and just running like fast running, like running as fast as I can, like, like the T 1000 chasing after, you know, and, and just leaving him in confusion for the rest of his life that whenever he thought about it, he'd just be like, I was talking to this guy one time and he just turned and ran away from me. Like, I, I didn't, know I why, didn't. But you should have. I should have. I really should have. It was, it was unreal, but it was just like that where I was like, I bet if I would have turned and ran, he probably would have just kept talking like an NPC or yeah. something. 
Right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And I, you know, I'm sure these people are so sweet, <laughs> you know, it's nothing on them. No, he seems like a like, nice guy, but, oh, but man, man, <laughs> just, God, and especially I, like it's five in the morning when you come <laughs> on these shoots, I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> God, that's the other thing about those productions. They've got to be some really long, weird hours sometimes, especially if you're just an extra and you're just, you know, yeah. hanging around waiting for the shot to get reset or something like that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you do have to be patient, very patient. And uh, but it is, you know, depending on the project, it is so much fun just watching them setting up and things like that. So I'm usually fine. But um, but yeah, it's it's long hours. I feel bad for the crew because, you know, I was kind of getting interested at one point, you know, either being um, like an assistant director, you know, production assistant, what have you. And I got friendly with this one makeup artist and I was like, you know, what is it like for you guys being crew? And she was like, honestly, it's, we have no lives. Like we are called at 4am. Um, and then sometimes we get off at 2am the next day and they have to have like a certain turnaround where, you know, if you're, if you end work at like two o'clock, you can't come back for a certain amount of hours. Yeah. But that's all spent sleeping. Like they can't go out. They can't like do dinners or parties or see friends. And we're just like, you poor guys. And they're like, yeah, we don't have relationships with anyone. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I mean, you really have to love it, I guess. And, you know, maybe it depends on the position, but you know, it's harder on them. And I feel so bad for them because if it's like an actor and they keep messing up their lines, if I was that actor, I'd be like, oh, my God, people just want me to spit this out so they can go home and like, right? see their wife and, like, their family. Imagine that pressure. So, right? I guess you get used to it after a while. But, yeah, it's – for a background, yeah, it's a lot of standing and <laughs> sitting around. <laughs> the snack table is amazing, though. Oh, God. Those, <laughs> I went to one where they had, like, an array of pastries on one side. And then on the other, it was like a candy store with like Twizzlers and Snicker bars and M&Ms. And I'm like, this is for us? It was amazing. That's the best part. The free food. <laughs> Snacks. <laughs> yeah. So good. Oh, my gosh. They do feed you well. But um, yeah, no, it, it was still a great experience. Because um, I also got really, really lucky with Boardwalk. Because I love Steve Buscemi. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, no kidding, right? Right? Duh. And I got, every time I was in a scene, they had me, like, either next to him or around him. And I was just like, this is amazing. That's so cool. I was going to ask if if you did any scenes where you got to be around him. That's really neat. Yeah. It was just so cool. And the first, I did several episodes. I can't even remember now. But the first time I did it back at the house, it was a week-long thing, um, there was one there was one setup where they had a shot of me as a server going down a hallway, you know, guests are everywhere. And then they were doing another shot from the other side. And for some reason, the assistant director, I was like, Oh, do you need me in this scene for, you know, this other shot? And she was like, no, 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 we don't need you. You're fine. And, but I felt like, oh, I don't want to be that extra, but I really think I should like, that's not continuity wise. I think I am in this scene, but I just shut up because that's how I am. And then as they're waiting to roll, Steve Buscemi's at the side of me and he's like, aren't, aren't you supposed to be in this shot? 
I was like, oh my God. I was like, um, yeah, I did check with Jennifer, but she said I wasn't. He was like, hold on. And he went to her and like was making sure that she would be not, not like saying like, oh, you're wrong, but being like, oh, you know, I think this extra is needed. And so they came back together and she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, you are in this shot. Yeah, you could set up. And I was like, holy shit. And I looked at Steve Buscemi and he was just like smiling at me and like doing the thumbs up. Like, I got you. That's awesome. I, I was just like, and then of course I couldn't like walk down the hallway. Cause I was like, oh my God, Steve Buscemi looked at me. <laughs> Get a t-shirt made that and says I, Buscemi's got my back. Right. And I all, and I had to carry this tray with a dead peacock on it. So I was kind of like noticeable, but then he would make jokes every now and then about the dead peacock. And I was just like, oh, I'm just shooting the shit with Buscemi. This is my life now. <laughs> that is so cool. I miss him so much. No, <laughs> what an amazing experience. But right? yeah, you were saying you haven't been able to do it so much since COVID? Yeah. Yeah. It was one because the personalities, but then yeah, COVID happened and it was like, forget that. Um, and then I think certain productions, even, I don't think they were really sure on what to do with extras. Um, cause you know, you don't want them getting, you know, the lead actors sick. So yeah. either they did CGI. I heard a lot of people were doing that for the moment and now they kind of are getting back into work. And like I said earlier, they're just so they're on top of their shit. Um, so, you know, they make sure that you get tests for everything. And even on set, they make you wear the mask and, you know, you still have to social distance. So I felt a little more comfortable trying it again. And yeah, so I'm, I'm seeing here and there what, what I can do, you know, like being a diner patron, I could totally kill that. So, you know, you'll never know. <laughs> Maybe be a dead body in SVU. I mean... I'm pale enough for that. So like no makeup, <laughs> makeup department is fine. I'm, it's just so easy, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just laughing at the pale enough. I totally relate to that. I, I don't <laughs> tan. <laughs> right? And people invite you to the beach. And I'm like, no, I, I don't, I do not survive there. You can see the Irish and the Scottish in my genetics. It's like, yes. I, am, I am very white. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yep. With a fair yep. amount of red in my beard that is quickly turning to white. But Oh no, but I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, <laughs> well, my wife's like... a fan of it. And that's really the only opinion that there I care you. about when it comes to my there physical you. appearance. So. Exactly. <laughs> as long as the wife's happy, then you're fine. Yeah. It's like, you're you good. can still stand looking at me. That's cool. <laughs> that's what we're going for. <laughs> You still love me, even though I look like this? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, and at this point, yeah. too, we've been married for 16 years, so. Oh, oh yeah. So you guys are totally used to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And so, yeah, I think, I think she's she's known me for like half my life now so yeah she's she's seen my beard in all sorts of colors <laughs> she's like i've seen worse beard wise don't worry <laughs> she does have the request that's like no just keep the beard though she's like yeah. you look like a giant 12 year old when you shave it <laughs> yes i don't know what it is with you guys but it's so true oh my god like when my boyfriend shaves his beard i feel like a pedophile it's just <laughs> it's not right I just can't. <laughs> That's funny. <I> can't. 
I really can't. Oh, and I wanted to tell you that um, for Halloween, again, it was very last minute. So me and him were scrambling for ideas. And so I told him that he has the great, he has the beard to play the sheriff from Midnight Mass. Perfect. Even though he's never seen it. He's never seen it. <laughs> and I don't think he's going to. So we would go to the party and people are like, oh, who are you? And he's like, oh, yeah, the sheriff from Midnight Mass. And then they'd start going into the story. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, no, I haven't seen it. My girlfriend just told me I'd, I'd great for it. <laughs> 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 he got a lot of weird looks. But That's what it's I like when I wear a sports though. hat. And so I can't wear sports baseball hats. <laughs> it invites conversation with people. And I have to go, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so he had the no Halloween costume version of that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, who are you? I don't know. <laughs> That's too funny. I don't know. Ask her. <laughs> like, what I did you go as then? As a team. Oh, God. I went as Adele. It was just, oh, nice. Just, I don't even... I I did, um, like, a cat eye. And then... What did I do? I did my hair up really nicely. At least what I could do. And I just wore, like, a really nice dress and wore... <sighs> You know those stickers that say hello, and then you put, like, I'm so-and-so. Yeah. I got one of those um, and said, hello, it's me, Adele. That's oh, nice. it. That's all I did. <laughs> I was very lazy, but you have to. Oh, boy. I haven't. I think the last time I went to a Halloween party, I just dressed really nice. And every time somebody came up to me, like, what are you supposed to be? I was like, well-dressed. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's nobody good. else thought it was funny i thought it was hilarious but maybe i'm an <laughs> asshole <laughs> you are a dad so you do have dad jokes in you so oh, yeah. even, you know even if you weren't a dad at the time it was always in you yeah, this was this was pre-dad days that's for sure see they're preparing you for kids who don't laugh at your jokes we might not have even had emma at that time that was that was <gasps> years and years ago wow gosh that's crazy now what did you guys do for halloween was it more of like a low-key watch scary movies type of thing or pretty much um uh uh lindsey and the boys went over to her brother's house um on the saturday before uh so yeah the saturday before so on the 30th and and i had i was recording a podcast so i just dropped them off and then picked them up afterwards but um, I, I helped the boys do their costumes this year. Aiden wanted to be Mega Man, and Liam wanted to be Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII. So, oh, yeah. And so um, I kind of had like a little bit of their costumes. Like I had done a, a helmet out of EVA foam for I oh, wow. I did two of them a while back, and I remember when I finished them, I was like, man, these totally look like Mega Man helmets. They just need a little bit, <laughs> of, like the extra trim work put on, and then. That's totally it. And so I took that helmet of Aiden's and just painted it blue and then put the little side pieces on and the, the, the middle kind of crest thing on it and turned out pretty good. And then had to make like a little blaster cannon for him. And then Lindsay oh, just got him like a, a blue like sweatshirt and sweatpants. And so that worked out pretty good. And then um, I had made, do you know what Cloud looks like from Final Fantasy VII? No, I was actually going to Google. So he's got like <laughs> spiky blonde hair. And he carries this big giant buster sword. Yes. And then he's got like, it looks like like half of like shoulder pads. So it's like just like a, some shoulder armor just on his left arm shoulder. 
And oh so over the summer, I had made Liam a buster sword out of cardboard and an old wheelbarrow handle. <laughs> Oh that I just goodness. like put together and then spray painted it silver for him. And he was so excited about it. And, I'd be excited for that. Yeah. And so he was like, all right, I already got the buster sword. You just got to finish my costume and I'll be cloud. And so I, um, I took EVA foam and I made the, the shoulder pad thing for him where I kind of formed it to go around his shoulder and then yeah. got some like wooden dowels and put them through it. So it'd look like the, the bolts that are on it. And then I, I ordered some, brown two inch webbing off Amazon. And then I, I ordered a rivet gun and I cut it into strips and I had Liam just stand in front of me with his arms out to the side, like a scarecrow. And I like cut it all to, to, to kind of where it needed to be and just used a stapler to hook it all together. And then I riveted it all together and sewed it and then uh barge cemented the, the shoulder pad thing onto it. So he could just put the thing on like a backpack and actually like clip it on his chest. And oh it it turned out That's like really so good. And then Lindsay ordered a, a blonde wig from Amazon and she spent the whole morning like spiking oh. it up with like bobby pins and everything. And so that when he put it on, like it was spot on. He looked oh. amazing. And Come on, you guys are the best parents. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. He was so excited. He was he was really, really stoked about it. Um and what's even cooler is that you know, he's he's like 11 years old in Final Fantasy VII, like a game that released in like 97 oh, yeah. or 98 or something like that, like is is like one of his favorite things ever. And so that's kind of getting them into vintage video games is something that I'm pretty proud right. of. Right. Oh, my goodness. I mean, cause yeah. they, they both went as like, well, Aiden went as like an 80s character. That's right. <laughs> you know, with Mega oh, Man. My <laughs> and on his own too it's like i didn't have anything to do with it he chose yeah <laughs> yeah i pushed them into it years ago when i was like yeah years ago like so. oh you guys it's want like... a ps you guys want a ps4 it's like well i have a ps2 <laughs> that's 20 years old <laughs> it still works well, and to them it's treasure you know it is it really is <laughs> That's one. That's one of the coolest things about being a parent is like kind of introducing your kids to the things that you were super passionate about when when you were their age. Yeah, and hoping they like it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like if I were to show, if I were to have kids and show them Jurassic Park and they didn't like it, oh, that'd be really difficult for me to deal with. <laughs> I might be like. I thought I birthed you, but I have no idea what's wrong with you. Like <laughs> this, you cannot be my child. So is that, that like one both. of your favorite movies then? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh God. If you ask Steve, he'll be like, oh gosh, I'll never shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. No, it is. It's, it's like nostalgia for me, but I also just love the dialogue and even the book too. Um, yeah. The book's great. And Yeah. And just the, the conversations that they have about playing God, things like that. Um, and then of course the dinosaurs are just, oh God, being a kid for me, when it came out, I think gosh, I was probably like five. So I didn't see it in the theaters, but I remember my oldest sister, Liz, she saw it and she was obsessed with it. So by the time it came out on tape, we already had it. And my parents would hide movies that they thought were inappropriate or too scary on top of this like hutch where you put like you know there's some shelves and you store things in there and I would always just randomly try to feel for a, D a VHS to watch and I remember grabbing Jurassic Park once and 
it just terrified the living daylights out of me. <laughs> like, especially the velociraptors in the kitchen. It's just, you know, when they look at you at the camera, I just like, I remember being frozen thinking, I know that velociraptor is going to come and get me. <laughs> it's just like one of those things that stuck with me. And then as I got older and I kept watching it more and more and more, I just keep getting stuff out of it. And I just think it's so well done, brilliantly, you know, written. Um, and of course, it's Steven Spielberg. So there's, you know, I could go on about him as a director. But yeah, to this day, it still sticks with me. And, and I really thought about being a paleontologist, but I'm really bad at science. So I don't think that worked out too well. And mathematics <laughs> is not my strong suit. And, you know, you have to be in the desert. We just went over this. We're both pale as hell. And I would not survive the Badlands. (laughs) (laughs) They would discover my skeleton before a T-Rex. So it's like, oof, I don't know. But I still just, I do love dinosaurs. Um, Yeah, I can't, I can't get over it. Obsessed. Have your kids seen it? Uh, yeah. And, you know, I was just telling Aiden the other day, I'm like, we need to go back and revisit Jurassic Park because it's like he hasn't really watched it since mm-hmm. he's gotten old enough to, like, really, really appreciate movies, you know, yeah. because there comes a point, you know, when you watch movies as a child, and then you watch them with like a little bit more of an awareness. And then I feel like that happens again, like mm-hmm. when you're an adult, if you go back and revisit something, you can even get a different experience then. Um, yeah. But, and so Jurassic Park's one of those ones that I was telling him, you know, hey, we need to go back and revisit this. Um, what, yeah. what did you think of, like, the sequels and stuff that followed the original? Um, I mean, I did like the second one. The Lost second World. one's pretty good. Right? It's Of course, it's not the first, but for me, it's still Spielberg. It still has, you know, the Spielberg characteristics to it. You know, it brings Ian Malcolm back. You know, I really enjoyed it. But then... The other ones, I'm not really a fan of, but I'll still, you know, I've I've seen them still because it's dinosaurs. But yeah, the story third one's pretty it, atrocious. Oh, thank you. I, I try not to talk about the third one. It's like the Godfather, <laughs> right? Like you don't talk about it, but you have to because you know. It, oh, Even with William H Macy, it's it's, right? it's still just bad. You know, it's and you yeah, and you have Sam Neill coming back as Doctor Grant. Oh, I just and then they have like, you know, from the first movie, you feel like Dr. Grant and Ellie are going to get together and they have the whole scene at the end where uh-huh. you think, you know, she wants kids and he didn't. And now he's OK with it. And then you come back to the third movie and they're not together anymore. It's like, well, I'm sorry. What? How did that happen? And then you have the Spinosaurus just eviscerating that T-Rex. And it's just, oh, that was just. That, that scene where the Spinosaur like cracks its neck or something like that. I forget oh, yeah. exactly because I just can't see it anymore. But that I remember in the theater being like, <gasps> like audibly gasping and everybody was looking at me and I'm like, shut up. OK, <laughs> but I just yeah, the directing was awful. The dialogue was awful. It just yeah, it was just piece of shite. <laughs> and then like the Jurassic World ones, you weren't a fan of those? They're they're more fun. Like I can understand them trying to get away with it. You know, I wouldn't say they're good. <sighs> yeah, they're not great. But again, I'll see them because I, I have to see what they do. And, you know, I still like seeing different kinds of dinosaurs on the screen and seeing what they do with them. But yeah, if you said like film wise, it doesn't check 
boxes for me. Sure. Um, right. But with the new one coming out, I think they're incorporating uh, Dr. Grant and Malcolm and Ellie. So that, that I do want to see. Huh. See, I saw, I saw the lost world a couple times. Didn't see fallen kingdom. Mm-hmm. And okay. And so then it's going to be another one coming out. That'll be a sequel to fallen kingdom then. Right. I think so. Yeah, I've lost track by now. <laughs> I did like Chris Pratt's character, though. I mean, I tend to enjoy him in movies. Yeah, though. yeah no, he did a good job with that. You know, I think he does a good job. The actors in it are good. Um, yeah, I, I do understand why people would enjoy them because of his character. And he does a good job of, you know, inserting humor the way that Chris Pratt does. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of Bryce Dallas Howard, too. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Oh, yeah. The ginger. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's so talented and she's also very easy on the eyes. So it's, yeah, you know, she's, it's... Not, she's not bad. <laughs> it's it's an easy okay. combination to put on the screen in front of me. Right? Right? But like you said, like she can act, too, which is nice when you get the whole package. You yeah. Know? Well, and she's a fantastic director, too. Like the, right. the stuff that she did with uh, her Mandalorian episode was really, really oh. dope. That was insane. I didn't know until the credits that was her. Yeah, it, I just was, it was good stuff. It's just, and then of course, you know, obviously she takes after her dad, but it was just like, what? And I guess she's doing more things. I wonder if she's directing like a feature film. I don't, know. See, I don't I'm not good enough at keeping up on that sort of stuff or... It's, yeah, it I'm, I'm just terrible. Like I remember, I was telling Steve the the first time I ever did scenic cast, and they were like talking about like box office stuff, and they asked for my opinion. Uh, I was just like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I movies make money, <laughs> yeah. and that's a and dollar. This, this so good. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, like you can throw me a number, like oh, so and so did this this weekend. I'm like, is that good? <laughs> What's the baseline? I I don't know. <laughs> Right, right. Like, I think I was, when I was younger, I would focus on that, but not anymore. <laughs> it's just because, you know, the most popular movies will get. I don't, yeah, like now I don't understand the numbers and how they work just because of streaming and whatnot. Oh, right. But I, yeah. But, you know, years ago, it was a little easier to keep track of. OK, this was the big movie. It's, you know, I am curious to see how much it got like in the country and then internationally but now i'm just like i don't care (laughs) like if it's good it's good Eh, whatever but yeah it is interesting to see those numbers nowadays i had a thought and then i totally lost it there <laughs> it's okay, like so I'm like I'm like no, it's gonna it. come back. It's like no, no, this is a really long silence now. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> like just be honest. <laughs> I, was, I was like either I got disconnected or he's really being philosophical. No, I like I like had a thought and it was like it was like it was like trying to hold a fish underwater. It just, just like, the, the, the harder you squeeze it, the faster it, it swims away. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk to you like you know later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's back. I knew what it was good. We we talked about the how ratings are weird now. Um have you seen that movie Hypnotic? No. Okay, so we watched it. It just came out uh this year and uh Katie Siegel's in it. <gasps> oh, 
okay. It's, I yeah, have... it's, it's like a mystery thriller horror type genre. Oh. Okay. Um, it's on Netflix. It, okay. And she plays the lead in it. I I thought it was really enjoyable. Like I I really liked it and looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes and it has a fucking fifteen percent audience score. What? And I'm like, holy crap! It is not fifteen percent bad. What is going on with this? Yeah. Oh my god. And do you know who directed it? Oh, let's see if I can quickly find. I that. mean, I just know her from working with her husband, Matt Angel and Suzanne Coot. Oh. So yeah, wow. I've never heard of either of them. But like I said, I'm I'm really not good at retaining that that <laughs> info anymore. <laughs> it's like you know, a director directed it. So <laughs> yeah, like there's a handful of directors that like um just recently I went and saw Last Night in Soho, and and like oh. I was very excited for that because it's like oh, okay, I I like the Edgar Wright movies I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but and so that was one where I was like, I'm I'm specifically excited to see this because the director and also because Anya Taylor Joy is just fantastic. Yes, she's uh she's doing well for herself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think she'll be okay. Yeah, no, she's and her face. I love I love actors who have really interesting faces. And man, she has such. I mean, she's gorgeous, but she also just has that really interesting face that you like to see in new actors. You know, not doing like the the same stuff everybody does. I just think she does. Um, she's just very different, and I love it. But I I haven't seen it yet. But I'm with you. When I saw Edgar Wright, I was like, okay, I gotta see this at some point. So hopefully soon. Yeah, it was enjoyable. I liked it. Um, my wife is a really really big fan of like that genre, and Ooh, but she's that- not a fan of like going to the movie theaters. Mm. And so I, I tried talking her into it. I was like, I was like, this is right up your alley. You should totally watch it. And she's like, nah, pass. <laughs> I, I'll wait till we can watch it at home. I'm like, all right, fair enough. And so I, I texted her walking out of the theater. I'm like, oh, you're going to like this movie so much. Oh, my God. Is it is it going to come to streaming at some point? Oh, I'd imagine like most things do. So yeah. I just need it now. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know what the the theater situation is like in in New York, but um, yeah, I I haven't been yet. We went and saw Eternals last night, and that was packed. That was like oh, the the yeah. first movie that I've been to in a while where there was actually somebody in the seat like right next to me. Oh my god! And so that was kind of weird, but Oof. yeah, somebody <laughs> sat down next to me on the subway, like right next to me, and I was just like, ooh, yeah, bro, you? no, get out of here. <laughs> What are you I'm doing? Shoot. <laughs> oh, I do miss theaters, though. I do. Oh, there's nothing like it. There really isn't. It's yeah. Just... Yeah. No, I know what you mean. And, and, you know, it's you're free of distraction and all that. <laughs> and, and you can just kind of enjoy it for what it is. There was. What was it? it maybe it was in Last Night in Soho. I'm thinking it was in that one, maybe. But the people in front of me, like halfway through the movie, it was like they had their lights on, their flashlights on on their phone, and they were like digging around in their seats like they dropped something. Oh, no. And they were searching for it, and it kept going on, and I was getting to the point where I was going to be like, hey, maybe just wait till this is all done. (laughs) Because clearly you guys are not finding this. You think? But yeah, it was. that's the one thing I don't like about being in the theater, or... Like it's it's been a while since I've been around somebody who's like a talker or something like that. Oh yes. But you oh. know those little things. I like, hate that. 
I feel, and like even the dine-in movies, I've tried that and no, I mean, it's an interesting concept and they do really try, like, you know, I went to one, it's called the Alamo Draft House. I think those are like all over the country, but. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never been to one, but, but I've, I've heard people talk about them before. So it's yeah. like a dine-in, like, like you can get like a full meal that you have there. Yeah. Yeah. So you sit down and, you know, you have a little table and they give you a menu. And usually before they move the movie, they try to get orders in. But they have like a button for you to push if you need something else. And so like in the middle of a movie, you have someone being like, I guess I like the um, the chicken wings, but not too saucy. Oh, would you like a Coke with that? Um, do you have your pepper? I'm just like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> I know you're whispering and you're trying. But it's not helping. And then someone dropped their plate on the floor. I'm just like, I'm not doing this ever again. I just, I agree with you. I just like being able to totally focus on the screen and the sound and everything like that. Where, And I, I even love the, like, even when the logo appears for the film, like the studio. I love that. I love the music that they choose to put over the credits. I think that matters so much. Oh, yeah. And you kind of miss out, right? You, I feel like you miss out on that when you're home. Because, you know, you're like, oh, shit, I have to stop the dishwasher. It's over, so I might as well just turn it off. But things like that, yeah. It's just, I really hope to go back at some point. But, I mean, I guess the city's a little better. And I'm somewhere deep in Brooklyn, so... You know, I could probably go in the morning and just be myself, but um, yeah, I'm just too scared. I worry about other people. That's the thing. Other people, you never know what they're doing. Yeah. They're going to say, yeah, what if someone sits next to me and then I'm going to worry the whole time that I'm getting COVID? It's like, <laughs> it's too stressful. Yeah, I've, I've kind of worried about like the, that sort of stuff ever since that shooting in Aurora, Colorado. Oh, God. You know, that, that's one of the things that I always worry about is that, like, oh, my gosh, if some lunatic came in here and started blasting. Like, there's, yeah. there's, like I'm sitting clear in the back. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. No, you're right. I do remember I was at a movie shortly after that happened, and it was a movie next door that, you know, had gunfire. And I was for a second like, oh, my God, what if that happened again? Like, what the fuck are you going to do? It, it's just, yeah, and I can't imagine... Going further on that, you know, I can't imagine being a kid in school these days. Oh, like, right? Yeah, doing like active they, shooter drills and stuff like that. Talk about PTSD. I mean, that has to be really, really fucking awful. I can't, you know, when we were kids, you know, I guess we would, I had some like, um, uh, uh, like bomb threats, things like that. But that's like every now and then. And that's usually a kid just wanting to, you know, go home early. But now it's like, I can't, I'm like, and, you know, school is hard enough as it is just having that added pressure of, oh, is the shooter going to come in today? And I have to take a test later. Like, I, I can't do that. It's just, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Not to get grim, but damn, I'm glad I'm not a kid anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Like, like Childish Gambino said, this is America. <laughs> like, you know, this is, it is. yeah, it is. For, uh, it is. for a long time, my mom was working up at the like right in the front office of a high school and to point where it's like, okay, you walk in this door, you're going into this office. You walk in this door, you're going into my mom's office. And mm. like, I remember talking with her about the active shooter stuff and like the, the, the sheriff's deputy that was there talking with her was pretty much like, 
yeah, probably not a good chance that you're going to survive if they come in through your door. And I'm like, wow, I'm glad you shared that with me, mom. Like, Jesus, like now, now I have that to worry about too. That's just awful. I'm like, they won't even give you a can of bear spray or something like that. Like, Like, wow. Okay. Interesting. Oh my God. I'm just sweating thinking about it. Yeah. Like someone walks through that door looking like Neo from the matrix. It's like, yeah, you're getting bear maced. (laughs) No questions asked, you know? Oh my god. <laughs> you get to walk in here with a trench coat. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Where's your panic button now? <sighs> yeah. But tis life, right? Yeah. Ironically, I was the kid in high school with a black trench coat, but this was before the the the, the, the Columbine people ruined black oh. trench coats. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I think my sister was not the trench coat, but you know, she went through her goth phase, where you know, just like dark eye makeup, black nails. <laughs> it was just like, thank God this was before. <laughs> I'm sure people were like, "Why is she so weird?" But <laughs> no, I was obsessed with having a trench coat. It was probably from watching Clerks. I mean, yeah, you can't walk away from that movie and not want the trench coat. <laughs> I mean, come on. Especially like, the way he wears it. Yeah, it's like, except for I'm pretty chatty. I'm kind of like Silent Bob, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you can be both yeah. sometimes. You get me around like a, a large group of people, I tend to be more quiet. You get me around like just one or yeah. two people, I'll be very gregarious. Yeah, because, yeah, that's much easier. Yeah, yeah. I, I do better with, with, like, you know, small interactors. You get me around a lot of people, and I get to be very much more observant. Mm, and that's yes. when I'm, like, taking notes. I'm like, oh, yes. this is how people act. This is how what? the humans behave. How interesting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like David Attenborough, just, like, doing a nature documentary. <laughs> and now we watch the humans imbibing their alcoholic beverages and Joe stands awkwardly in the corner. He does not know what to do with his hands. <laughs> and here comes the cat to save his night. They will reside in the corner for the rest of the evening. It's perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. I've been watching, um, I have a VPN so I can uh, watch British things before they come to Netflix. So Nice. I.e. the Great British Bake Off. Oh, my God. But I'm also discovering other things, and there's a show called Gogglebox. And basically, it's like a weekly show where they get random everyday people to come for a season, sometimes sometimes multiple seasons. And they just comment on, you know, the newest shows that are going on, um, pop culture things, the news, things, you know, about the BBC and they're just absolutely hilarious. And I wish they had it either on Netflix or on YouTube. But I've just been learning so much from them on the shows and the trends that I've missed. But the best part about this show is are the accents. The accents are insane. Like <laughs> you get the usual, like, you know, British accent, blah, blah, blah. But then you have people from like Liverpool where they're like, well, I don't think that. And I think if you were to do that, it'd be absolutely awful. And there are times where I want to understand what they're saying, but I can't. And then 
later on, like if I'm watching a few episodes and I totally understand what they're saying <laughs> and then my boyfriend will come in and he's like, is this English? And I'm like, it is, it is English. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> they, they could be speaking German or something, but Oh God, it's so good. And I wish everyone had a VPN for it. It's just, <laughs> oh, I feel like you would love it. You know what's sad is I had a VPN. I, I remember having like a, a year-long subscription to one for a while, and I wow. never did that. I never turned it on like in England and then went and logged into Netflix to see what was different. Yes. What a missed oh. opportunity. Damn it. Oh, well, <laughs> damn it. well, you never know. Things can happen. Maybe you could get one. I don't know who from, but. <laughs> well, like I had it for a while, but then I was like, you know, I, I barely even use this, and it isn't like I'm out here doing risky shit on the web i don't even know why i got it <laughs> just to have it sometimes it just makes you feel better like if i wanted to i do have it but no <laughs> that's like having a gym membership and you haven't even gone oh my gosh yeah I, i've never been foolish foolish enough to sign up for one of those I, I know it would be an absolute waste of money. Well, absolutely. Well, my wife was a she was a fitness instructor for a little while, and so I actually got to go to that gym, <gasps> like uh, like for free. I was gonna say, and and I always had the best time going to her classes, and so like I, I would I would always go and do those. That was a lot of fun, and, and for the most part, it would just be me and like a whole bunch of ladies. <laughs> in there and I was like oh this is great there's no ego <laughs> like, yes! and I'm yes! getting like just totally like outperformed by like this like mom of four next to me <laughs> and I'm like this is fantastic I really like this <laughs> it is a good incentive you're like alright come on I can do this it was a fun and I, I enjoyed it it was it was really great oh, I don't know goodness. because it's like I don't have like I, I have like a competitive spirit but I don't like the way it makes me feel. So I don't indulge it very often. Yeah. You know, like I don't like being wrapped up in an outcome to the point where then if I'm, I'm losing, like I'm not going to have fun. Like I don't, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. and, and so I try and just let that sort of stuff go and just more do things for the enjoyment of, of doing them. And, right. and, and so, yeah, that's just, it, it's never worked, <laughs> worked out that well for me so and i yeah i don't know it, it just it's made me have a, a slightly different experience yeah yeah no it is very hard to balance the two yeah Oof. now i wanted to ask you if i know it's a very hard question but do you have a favorite movie or you know if you had to pick you know the first three that you that comes to mind what would that be right now i'm fully obsessed over dune Again, since oh, this I new movie's come out. Don't, don't hurt me. I'm so sorry. I haven't oh, seen it. Oh, no, that's okay. I mean, teach their own. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to see it. But, like, I, I've been, like, obsessed with that that book for so long that, oh, okay. um, like, I, um, I, I've read the book countless times. Uh, the the miniseries that came out in 2000 from the Sci-Fi Channel, like, I really adore that version of it. Is, it, uh... Was that with the James McAvoy? That was the sequel to it. That was Children the of sequel. Dune. Oh, gotcha. Okay, that one's okay. also pretty decent. Like they okay. they did a fairly decent job of sticking to the books. Um, I remember oh. the the first taste I ever got of Dune was just watching little bits of the 1984 movie, like over at a friend's apartment. And I remember they just started playing the movie, gave me no preface. I didn't even know what we were watching until years later when I rewatched it. 
And I was like, that's that fucked up movie <laughs> that I didn't know what the hell was going on at the beginning of. Oh, but, man. but I remember and, just yeah. sitting there and I just kept saying to everybody in the room, what the fuck are we watching and what is going on here? And people were just like looking at me like I would, like they were annoyed. Yes, yes. And, and then eventually, understand. yeah. And so then eventually I left and I was like, I don't even know what that was. There was some weird gross fish looking thing in a tank. I don't know what the hell was happening in this movie. And then I read the book years later and then I watched the sci-fi miniseries. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And then I was all excited, like, well, I got to go back and watch the David Lynch version. And I was not right. happy. I was, oh, really? I was, I didn't like the deviations they took from the book. It made, I watched it one time and got pissed and, and I bought the DVD to watch it. And I was like, now I own this fucking thing. Oh no. <laughs> but, but, but now that, okay. So I was actually texting with Kova about this earlier. Oh, nice. And I was like, oh my God, dude, I'm, I'm fully into it now. I'm like on children of Dune now. So like. Wow. Like right before the movie released, I, re I reread the first book and then I've already finished the second one and now I'm rereading the third one again. Oh, but my yeah. Th and I've watched the 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 Denny Villeneuve one. I've watched it like four or five times now. What? <laughs> it's it's it's, it's sad. Not bad. <laughs> and then I watched the I watched the, the sci fi channel one. I got I finished that one earlier. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch the David Lynch one again. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to rewatch it probably sometime this weekend. And it's like, uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm gonna try and go into it with an open mind, not going into it with this like, oh, you didn't like this movie before. It's like just go into it with an open mind. At least now you know what things were different that because it was like the differences from the book that pissed me off in that original movie. But in in some things, it's like if it's something that's a book that's really dear to me, like I I get to be a very I get to be very snooty about mm -hmm. it, and it's like well, oh, and I didn't like the, what they did here. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, I turned my nose up at it, but yeah, no, I I think you know you kind of have to, and it's kind of fun to do that in a way, just to because you know that like a film adaptation, they are going to take liberties, but. You want them to be liberties that make sense to the story, even yeah. if they're not in the original. So I can absolutely understand people who kind of turn them, their noses up at that, you know, because it, it comes from love and passion for the story. Um, and I haven't seen the David Lynch one, but I hear that it's more of like a nostalgic thing that people like about it i guess probably but i but i do hear a lot of people saying it's not good but i love it and i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> well and that's kind of how i out. feel about the sci-fi miniseries it's like it's it's not great it's like really the only thing that's great about it is like how faithful they were to the book but like production value it, it, it's it's down there uh costume wise some of the costumes in it are just beyond whack they're so weird looking but oh. Good. You know, but but overall, it's pretty good. And it's like, you know, like four, four and a half hours long or something like that. So that's kind of fun, wow. you know, to watch the whole miniseries because it's in like three parts. You can you can actually watch like high quality versions of it on YouTube now. That was how I just oh. watched it. Oh, my gosh. Um, but yeah, so, so Dune is that's probably one of my favorites. But I mean, there's been so many like Star Wars was probably one of the first ones that like really enamored me. Like I've got a lot of memories of riding my bike down to the public library and renting the whole trilogy on VHS. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> right? Oh, 
and um, oh. I loved uh, the Indiana Jones movies when I was a kid too. I used to watch those on repeat. Oh um, hell yeah! Yeah, I was, I was very much into like it, adventure type stories. Like that's what yeah, that's what would really, too. you know, yeah. get me going was mm-hmm. like. I, I didn't really like horror so much, you know, it's like some of it's okay. Um, but yeah, the, the kind of adventure type stories, like, like I remember the first time I ever read the Count of Monte Cristo, like how much that blew me away. Yeah. You know, like, oh. like those sorts of. It's like escapism. Yeah, big time. Like that, that's what yeah. I want out of a movie. And and that's probably yes. why I like, like, you know why I love the MCU movies so much and stuff is because mm-hmm. it is it's just great escapism and and generally you know there's a pretty good you know moral background backbone to the story and right. and all that right. you know because I mean <sighs> that like one of the things like like when like when Steve sends out the list for movies like mm-hmm. to, to oh sign up for an episode I feel like I need to like look up a trailer for every one of them because yes. it's like it's like I'm yes. not going to be able to give a good review for you if this is like a hardcore drama. Or something because it's just like I, ah, <laughs> uh, like I know, like there's some movies where I'll sit through a trailer mm-hmm. in the movie theater and I'll be like, "Gosh, I hope I never see that." <laughs> like, that movie's just not for me, like at all. <laughs> it's kind of like, wow, I cannot wait to not watch that one. Yeah, it's like, like, oh, that's like a, like a a real slice of life movie. That's you know, it's it's. It's it's gonna make you cry, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. pass, hard pass. Yeah, no, yeah, no I, thank you. I, I I can I can think sad thoughts and make myself cry. <laughs> I fucking live with sadness. You don't want to be here when the laughter stops. You know? <laughs> so, like so I cry like, every day. Why do I want to watch yeah, a movie that? Like, like, so I'm not gonna dip into this thing that's gonna intentionally make me sad. But but I think I think I was I think I was talking with Steve about that, and I think he was saying that like you know no I I I look forward to like a, a reaction like that from a from a movie yeah. and it's like and i sure. totally get that you know but, but yeah for me it's like nah it's it's like i'm looking for a very a, a very i don't know if you call it a narrow band of entertainment but I've, yeah. I've you know i've got my band that i like you know yes that's how i feel like i think the first time i did uh steve's podcast he asked me to see this movie called spree it was complete garbage, but I was like, I can't really, like, I think that's the point. Like he wants to have different opinions. And there are times where I'll hate something that someone else will love or vice versa. And like, sometimes I'll say that to Steve. I'm like, Oh, I really hated that. Is that okay? And he's like, that's the point. It's fine. Like it's all right. So I'm trying to be more adventurous because there are movies that will say like, Oh, this is, what's on and I'm like oh, there's no way I'm gonna see that but then I'm like, well, I mean that's the point of it you know he does want different views or you know if it's fun to eviscerate a movie altogether, then I love doing that <laughs> so, but yeah there are things where I'm like this isn't for me no way and it's it's sadly a lot of mainstream stuff um where I feel like I, I'm like I'm really sorry but you know, I shouldn't be. It's like, you know what you like and you know what you don't like. And some people have like a wide range. And then like you and me, probably it's like a little more centered on specific, I don't know, either different ways of filmmaking or different ways of telling the story. And you can kind of tell from a trailer, unless they like show you the whole movie, certain trailers, they'll 
you know, really tap into what the film's about and the environment. And I love, I, for a time I was obsessed with trailers. Like if there was a really well-made trailer, I would just like watch it over and over. And, you know, just because of that feeling that you get and you know the movie and you know what they're going for. And it's just so well done. And there's even a, um, I forget his name, but on YouTube, somebody did like a filmography of, let's say like 2018. And the way they stitched the clips together with the music and the editing, like that alone, I feel like should have an award <laughs> because there are just so many artists out there who do such a good job at just making trailers, simple enough. But for me, it really impacts if I'm going to see a movie or not. And there are movies where like the first two trailers they came out with made the movie look like utter crap. And then the last two trailers that they release is like, oh, well, if I saw this trailer first, I totally would have seen it. So it's just, it's really interesting how certain things can get you into either a different genre or just having you check things out that normally you would not. So I'm trying to do that more, but I just feel more like a boomer. <laughs> I just feel like <laughs> a boomer. I'm like, oh, this is what people are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> do you have like a favorite genre then? I... I don't think so. I, I think it's as long as the story, as long as the story's good and they have interesting characters and actors and directors, um, you know, I really couldn't care less if it was sci-fi versus, well, no, actually I do not like musicals. I'm not a biggest fan of musical, like the, the live musicals I've seen. Like I, mm. I kind of, I enjoyed them where I didn't think I would. Like, I was like, well, this was really, really entertaining. These people are very talented. Like, I appreciate the production that they put on. But, like, yeah. I don't really like watching them on the screen. Yeah. It's like, I just can't do it. And even some live ones I can't do. But it's just that, like, sing-song lay of, you know, basically narrating everything that's happening. It works for some people, obviously. There's a huge audience for it. But... Yeah, I just can't do it. Like the only musicals I could do, you know, like Sound of Music, the classics. But now it's like, <laughs> you know, I think I think the latest one I loved was The Nightmare Before Christmas, and that was like '93. But that's that's it. Do I you want to know something crazy? I just watched that for the first time <gasps> on Halloween. Really? <laughs> I'd seen oh, like bits and pieces of it. Like, yeah. you know, throughout my life, it's like a piece of pop right. culture. But like I never actually sat down and watched the whole thing. And I actually did it this year. And I was like, oh, this is a really delightful movie. I can see why people like it so much. Oh, I mean, better late than never. That's yes. what I was saying. That's amazing. Oh, I'm so oh, happy. I've had, oh, look, what's this stuck in my head all week. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. To this day, my family makes fun of me because I would just go around singing that song. <laughs> Especially when it snows because, you know, how can you not? But, oh, it's so good. And that song is so, so well done. And just going through the scenes, it's just so magical and beautiful. And, Yeah. Yeah, so it, it has to take a really big musical to get me in. But I just, yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, but we watched like, that, oh, and then we watched the episode of the the movies that made us. That was like the making was, of it. 
Oh, I still haven't done that yet. Oh, uh, if you love that movie, you'll definitely have to check that out. It's it's a really re- well. I don't. I find all those episodes of that show really, really entertaining. I haven't seen any of them. I keep hearing. You haven't about seen them. any of them? Oh wow! There's a Jurassic Park one. Oh my god! See, I know about Jurassic Park, but I should still see it. Like I've done, like behind the scenes. I love that stuff so much. But there are so many movies or so many episodes that I see where I'm like, oh, I've never gone into this. But I oh, see. I just I need to catch up on everything. But no, thank you for reminding me but you're I, welcome because <laughs> like, like i think i know i'm like oh no i've seen behind the scenes of the nightmare before christmas but maybe i haven't i don't know hmm. yeah it was it was really entertaining like i haven't seen every episode of that show but like mm. all the the episodes i've seen of it have been really really entertaining Ugh, yeah those yeah. documentaries on 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 just how something is made was like um like the first one that comes to mind is one called Wolfman's Got Nards. And it's a documentary about how the Monster Squad was made. Have you ever seen the Monster Squad? Yes. Okay, yeah. So this is a documentary about that movie. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh. <laughs> Monster Squad's one of those movies I grew up on. Yeah, it would always be on TV. I remember that. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of like, well, the Goonies isn't scary like that but just the kind of in that same vein right 80s like ensemble cast of kids going on like an adventure type thing yeah Yeah, exactly so i've never watched it from beginning to end though so oh gosh and i of course i love uh the whole story behind jaws the production of jaws did they cover that you know that might be one of the episodes like i said i haven't seen all the episodes that were on there okay yeah Cause that it's like, I just love that story. It's inspiring for anyone's life. Cause it was like, they were going to shut down like every day. They had so many issues and like, Oh wow. Yeah. And the guy who plays Quinn, you know, he was like a heavy drinker in real life. So they would have arguments and like things like that. And now it's like, what? It's literally the birth of blockbusters and what really solidified Spielberg but it almost didn't happen at all. I think one of the sharks sank to the bottom of the ocean once. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, whoops. How do you do that? And they were like on a tight schedule and they, you know, kept delaying things because of weather. So I do, you know, it's, it's so incredible learning about the behind the scenes. I just eat that up. Yeah, there was, um, when I watched the Home Alone episode, that one was pretty good. Oh, wow. I watched the Halloween episode. I gotta do that. Yeah, it was... I don't know. I feel like there's more episodes that I haven't seen than ones that I have, but every one of them I've watched has been really, really enjoyable. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. You know what? I have nothing to do tomorrow. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave me something to do. Oh, my goodness. I'll do it like, you know, while doing the garbage or dishes. Oh, it's a perfect show for something like that, you know? Uh, it's like a good oh fold in the laundry show. <laughs> <laughs> Organizing. Or, or, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I do have to ask if um, I could go to the bathroom. Yeah, let's take a quick break. <laughs> oh, perfect. Okay, oh, we'll be right back. You. All right, we're back. So, 
leading up to this, one of the things that you and I were texting about was the show Midnight Mass on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I know you've got some strong feelings about it. And so I thought it would be really fun to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> to, to kind of give you my background on it, I'm I'm a huge fan of, of the Mike Flanagan stuff that I've seen so far. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Haunting of Hill House like really blew me away um, on, on how he did the the scary stuff in that and it really worked for me um the haunting of bly manor i thought was kind of boring i was calling it the haunting of blah manor (laughs) it was still pretty good but i think i I just had such high expectations after hill house that it you know it fell a little flat for me and um but man midnight mass really did it for me i was i was hooked i was it was one where like I would have been okay, like staying up till four in the morning and binging the entire show in one go, <laughs> but instead we watched it over like a week or so. But um, oh, but yeah, I I really really liked it. But yeah, we were talking online, and 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 I I pulled that thread, and you sent me a very long text <laughs> message about your thoughts, which was really well thought out and well reasoned. But but oh, yeah, and what did you think of Midnight Mass? Oh God, um, oh man. I don't, okay. Well, <laughs> I do agree with you. I loved The Haunting of Hill House. That was absolutely incredible. Um, I thought, is it okay if we're doing spoilers? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, full spoilers. So I I absolutely loved that. I did not think I would. The whole bent neck lady thing was, oh, to this day, I still think about that. And it's just so well done. The actors were amazing. The story was so incredible. And I thought I would guess certain things. Um, sometimes I'm really good at like guessing what's going to happen. And every time it just surprised me. And I was like, oh, no. Okay. I did not see that one coming. And then we tried Fly Manor. Yeah, it just didn't do it for me. The scares weren't the same as Haunting a Hill House. The scares the were very different. Yeah, very different. It was just weird seeing the difference of that because I thought he tapped into it really well. And then, yeah, this one was like, is this done by someone else type of thing? So when I heard about Midnight Mass, I was like, oh, well, of course, I'm going to check it out because maybe it'll bounce back and be like uh, the haunting of Hill House. My boyfriend wasn't interested, so I just started it myself. And, you know, I binged it because at the end I was like, well, you know, the whole thing is there. Why not do it? So I might have seen it in like two, two days, maybe. And it was just like, I do like movies where there's a lot of dialogue. Some movies that people will think are, you know, it's boring and it just drags on. I usually love that stuff. But for me personally, I thought this just dragged on. Like there were just so many just like the dialogue i think there's one part where is it kate siegel yeah. Is that her name? The, yeah who's amazing oh my goodness she's amazing but like there's this long speech that she has about what happens to you after death and i'm like oh my god i think i was just like this is still going it was just a little too laborious for me um and i think one of the big things that didn't work for me was just the whole genre in terms of uh, oops, in terms of like vampires, I'm not, I'm not into the whole vampire thing at all. Like it just doesn't, 
it doesn't work for me. I, I remember in college, I had to read Dracula like three times. I've written so many papers about it, trying to find like different perspectives. And then I realized, okay, it's not my cup of tea. So when this happened, I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, it's not, I was thinking it's not going to be like a vampire, is it? And then when it happened, I was like, oh no, what's happening here? And, you know, it's just, I don't want to hurt feelings of people who liked it because, you know, obviously it worked for them and that's great. But for me, I was just like, I can't take these speeches that are trying to be really, I guess, like deep conversations for me. And again, this could be my background, which I mentioned to you, you know, I, I grew up with these kind of conversations. So you know, maybe other people haven't had these thoughts or didn't think of things that way, especially if you didn't grow up in a Catholic household. And, you know, there is the whole stigma or not stigma rather, but sort of controversy about Catholicism, you know, people who claim that they're true Christians and, yet, you know, judge others, <clears throat> things like that, that I do like the idea of a story tapping into that and the hypocrisy, all of those things. I'm very open to that and I love it. But with the way that they executed it here was a little too heavy handed in my opinion, where I was just like, oh my God, we're doing this again? And then just the absurdity of like Father Pruitt, them, the townspeople not realizing that the framed newspaper article of the same guy that's right in front of them. I was just like, you, nobody noticed that that's him. Like this, <laughs> this priest came in to take over for this other priest, not related at all. And yet he looks just like him. And I think one of the characters is like, Oh, what a strong resemblance. Anyway, I'm like, oh, God, no, be him. It just, Oh goodness. And then, you know, the whole reveal that the priest had, you know, was intimate with that woman they had a child i was like oh my god are you serious the priest broke his vows because of that like it was just a bit much and then you know the girl being able to walk when she was in the wheelchair and it was like look see these are miracles we have to look at them and take them for what they are and then you know let's have eternal life here on earth let's drink the blood of this angel which I've never seen an angel like that. <laughs> like in the priest robes, <laughs> that's when I lost it. And I was just like, how do these Catholics look at this angel and totally forget about Gabriel and the fallen angel and the devil? Like they're just opening their arms to this thing. And then the whole idea of, you know, look, these miracles are happening. This is like a sign. It's like, it goes against everything that Catholics talk about like we don't want eternal life on earth that's not supposed to be a thing we're all preparing for the afterlife so the way that they just totally put that outside like just flew that out the window and then the whole massacre of people <laughs> turning each other into vampires and then like at four or five a.m when the sunrise is happening they're like oh shit we just did that right well, we're going to die anyway. Let's sing a hymn to be closer to God. I'm like, what the mother? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just seizing and, like, fuming. It was just, I wanted to like it. 
the actors were amazing. Every, I, there are only two good things about that show. One, the acting. Everybody was so freaking good. And then the hot sheriff. Those are the only two things I took. <laughs> I just, and like no one noticed that I was a vampire. No one noticed so many things. It, it's just, yeah, I just, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And see, there I was go. enamored with it enough that like, I kind of overlooked a lot of that stuff to where, you know, mm-hmm. it, it didn't create, you know, any sort of plot hole or plot dilemma for me. But but with your background, I could totally see, you know, how you could read into it that way. Right. And I always say that before, like when people ask me, I always say that first because it's true. I do have to look at it as to why it didn't work for me. And that's just honest. You know, I'm just you know, I've had those conversations, but not a lot of people do. And it, they are really good conversations to be had. So I do appreciate that, but it was just too heavy handed in the whole, you know, look, we're having so many deep conversations and then, you know, you just accept this vampire going down, you know, giving you communion. And it's like, but you're not supposed to, you're literally killing each other, which is against Catholicism. Like you don't kill people. Yeah. Uh, And, and, and it was like Father Pruitt was trying to keep that from happening, but the the one Bev character like seemingly oh, that wanted bitch. that to happen because it was like she she was like so righteous, yes. you know, in 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 her beliefs that she felt like, well, if you don't believe what you what yeah. we believe, and you had every opportunity to believe it, then then yes, you're going to die, and that's fine. And it's like, yeah. wow, that's how Christian of you. Yeah, and to be fair, you know. I think with our culture and just being more aware of, of these things. Yeah. A lot of Christians are like in terms of, you know, judging others, not helping others. Like that's the backbone of being a Christian, you know, like you help others. And yet here's this woman and there are so many bevs out there. I'm sure I had a nun that was just like her where you're like, you're not a Christian. You got it all wrong. This is not what God is about. And so I do appreciate that, but I think it could have been executed better in my opinion yeah. um yeah and the whole boat thing where i forget the guy's name but the guy who comes riley. home after riley thank you when i remember getting up to that episode and being like okay does anything like big happen and i didn't want to spoil it but i googled it and someone said oh this episode is like it's like the bent neck lady twist and i'm like oh okay so i'll keep going and it's that riley wanted to tell kate siegel about everything that's happened and how he's turned and that you know she has to get away from this island and he feels like the only way i could do it is if we roll our boat into the middle of the ocean oh and by the way i'm a vampire and i'm totally gonna burn up what what you could have just told her that and like told her to leave and that was the twist. And I was like, oh, See, that scene okay, worked well, for me. And, and for Did a minute, it? I was like, okay. I was like, is he going to bite her? And then he was like, <laughs> OK, okay yeah. he he took himself out here because he knew that he was, you know, in the last minute, if he had a place to hide, he would have hided to try and, you know, self-preserve. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, out here, there's nowhere to hide. You know, she's going to see this happen right in front of her. And that's the only way she's going to believe it. And yeah, so so that that scene that worked for me. But 
But, like, couldn't he have also took her to, like, the side and when it was bright out, he could just, like, put his hand out and be like, oh, see, I'm burning. Well, part of him saying that he wasn't as strong as her and he wasn't strong enough was he didn't want to give in and kill somebody because he'd already killed somebody, you know, in that drunk driving accident. And it's been haunting him ever since. And so he knew that the only way he could live now would be to take life and he wasn't going to do it. Yeah. So he's like, it's it's better to be mine. Yeah. That sacrificing. Yeah. Yeah. I do understand that. And it, the way, again, Kate Siegel. Oh my, yeah, she made oh, me. Oh, she's phenomenal. It. Oh my god! And like, even though I didn't like her speech, I mean, that has to be so hard for an actress to remember. And I think it was like one shot; it wasn't even cut. So this, like, that was absolutely impressive, and I love her. And I'm going to watch that movie that you just told me about just because she's in it. But yeah, great actors. <sighs> That speech that she gives to Shirley in in um, in Hill House when they're driving down the road and they're arguing and it's like one of the one of the few jump scares in it. And then they pull over on the side of the road and, you know, like Theo's character is just like screaming and freaking out. And then she goes in and and tells Shirley everything that happened down Mm -hmm. in that basement and the way that she does that speech. And it's so emotional. It's like she just nails it. It's so genuine. It feels like you're not watching an actress do this. You're at, you're watching a real person going through this. And it's just, I feel like that's so hard to do and kind of rare in, in actors these days. But, oh my gosh, she just has so much emotion. And even at the very end after, I did love that part where the vampire got her. And as he's sucking the blood from her, she has the knife in her hand and she starts slowly uh-huh. ripping through his wings. That that was so good. That was so good. But then after, you know, they have the camera on her as she's, you know, bleeding out, but she's redoing that monologue. And yeah, even though I was rolling my eyes, it was still just like, this is impressive. That's really impressive. I give her credit for that. But it's just, yeah, yeah. I'm just disappointed. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. Yeah, I I love vampire (laughs) stories, though, too. That's like, like, like growing up, I was never the biggest fan of horror, but I was always really enamored with different vampire stories. And and I'd never really seen one that was similar to this. You know what I mean? Okay, that makes sense. It's not like Twilight. It's actually like, yeah, it's just this is a it's a very it's it's a very different, unique take. All the mm-hmm. way down to where he finds the thing. You know, he was out lost in the desert and he finds his way into like this old tomb that, you know, the, the storm had moved some sand away from. And then he encounters, you know, how, who knows how long that thing was in there. And then there was like so many things that just tickled my imagination with it. Like, OK, if, if Pruitt had lived long enough, would his body or if any of the other people in the town, had, had they lived long enough, would they eventually look like that thing? Right. Or, yeah. or is that, no, that's just, that's the, you know, that's like the, the original and, right. and, 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 you know, it comes from a different, you know, a, a different point in time in the world where maybe there was more of them. And, and this mm-hmm. is just like one of the few that's left, or if there are others left, maybe there's still others and they're still just in different places underground or, or here's the one that really tickled my imagination was imagine if it's a shared universe and that vampire made it to the made it to the <gasps> mainland and the yes. house that it took up residence in to hide from the sun was Hill House. 
You know, like little things like that. I was like, oh, that would be really neat, but I sure didn't want that thing to live. <laughs> yeah, right? That would be cool story-wise, but that would suck for everybody there. <laughs> yeah, a fun little bit of fanfic, right? But <laughs> you know, if they made a sequel and that vampire made it to Staten Island for what we do in the shadows, then I'll watch it. <laughs> That's, That's one of those shows that I've heard so many good things about. It's for so when it first started, it's like other shows where they start out a little shaky because they're trying to find their groove. And if you stick with it long enough, then it really takes off. And you're like, okay, I get what they're doing. Um, I definitely check it out. But I was saying to someone, I was like, that's the only vampire thing I can do. But like I said, I really do think my opinion is heavily based upon me not interested in that genre because everyone else who I talk to who that does work for them, they liked it. And so I do understand how people really found this to be not just meaningful, but like you said, interesting take with vampires that, yeah, I don't really think you've seen like maybe interview with the vampire. It was still, oh, I love it was that. Drama. yeah, that was good. <laughs> but like you said, this is a little different. And so I can, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Man, I haven't seen Interview with the Vampire. Oh, it's so good. It, like, oh. it, it, I really want to reread the Vampire Lestat, the sequel to it. Like, that was my favorite one in in that series. Well, at least of what I read. Yeah, Tom Cruise when he gets old, like, I think towards the end of the movie, the makeup that they have on him. I remember him. Oh, it's fantastic! Right? Oh my god. I was like, why is he creepy? I can't look at him. Oh my God, this is Tom Cruise. But nope, I had nightmares. Terrifying. Oh my God. I wish they could have got him to do, because they made a movie called Queen of the Damned, which was, <gasps> it was basically like a, a, a combination of Vampire Lestat and uh, Queen of the Damned together, which are books uh, okay. two and three, if I'm remembering. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, because yeah, Vampire Lestat basically just tells like the whole history of Lestat. Lestat was always one of my favorite characters. Mm. Like, you know, he's, he's like the character you're not supposed to like in Interview with a Vampire. But like, for me, it was like, like Louis was like given this gift of immortality yeah. and, and he's a vampire and like, and he's just going to be a little whiny puss about it. Yeah. <laughs> and like Lestat like, was like, you. like, no man, we can we can have a good time with this shit. And Louie's just like, you know, my morals. And Tom yeah. Cruise is like, fuck morals. Yeah, it's like, you're a vampire now, dude. Morals are out the window. <laughs> no one cares. No one's going to remember you. You're going to outlive these people. So who cares? Yeah. And so, and so I just thought Vampire Lestat was just such an amazing book, you know, because mm. it starts off and I think it's like the 1600s or something like that. And he's like a, a son of like a minor noble. And like mm -hmm. he he goes out to like hunt some wolves with like his like hounds and stuff like that, and like he nearly dies. And then he goes into Paris and like tries to be an actor or something like that. And then eventually this old vampire like had kind of been watching him mm. and like takes him and turns him and doesn't give him a choice. You oh, know, geez. just turns him. And then he goes and, and ends up turning his mother and then turning his best oh friend. God. And oh, it's 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 a wild fucking book. And is this, then, I'm sorry. Is this also Anne Rice? Yes. That's OK. Yeah. And then um, 
And so then that one kind of gets up to present day where, you know, Louis finds him and then he kind of comes back to and then he embraces the modern world. And then in Queen of the Damned is him embracing the modern world enough to where like he's walking around New Orleans and he hears like this garage band playing. And so he goes and kind of joins them and then kind of turns into like this like rock star. But like one of the things that happened to him when he was younger was he met up with a vampire that was like taking care of like the original first two vampires that they're pretty much just in like a catatonic state. Now they just like (laughs) sit like statues. And so like Lestat finds his way down to like the place where they're being kept. And like the, the woman, the, the queen, like, like offers, like she like moves and like offers like her her wrist or whatever, and so he drinks some of her blood, and then while he's feeding off her, the the her husband like wakes up like jealous and almost kills him. <gasps> and so Lestat like gets away, but now he's got this like super oh. powerful blood in him, so he's kind of leveled up, and then <laughs> and then I I think her name's Aisha, is is the queen of the damned. She mm. like eventually like comes out of her state enough to where she's like, okay, I'm done with you, husband. Lestat's the guy I want now. And so she murders her husband and then goes after Lestat. And she's powerful enough to where any vampire she looks at, if she just decides, like, she can just burn them. Like, (sighs) if she were to decide to, like, you know what? I'm I'm tired of every vampire on the planet. She could, like, burn every one of them with, like, a thought of her mind. Like, that's how powerful she is. And so, like, she. What's that? Aaliyah? Was she the one? Yes. Uh, Yes. Yeah, in the movie for the movie for it wasn't bad, but it was like after seeing Tom Cruise play Lestat, this other guy, it's like, dude, you had such big shoes to fill. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah. okay. It's 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 a you know fair to middling adaptation. Of course, nothing ever lives up to the books. Um, right. I highly but- recommend at least the first four of Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicle books. So it's like Interview with a Vampire, Vampire Lestat, yeah. Queen of the Damned, and then Tale of the Body Thief. Until the body thief is where somebody like finds out Lestat's a vampire and makes him an offer and says, we can switch bodies for (gasps) 24 hours and and you can see what it's like to be, you know, human again. Mm. And then that guy gets Lestat's body and then runs off. And so then Lestat's now in a human body and he has to try and track this guy down to get his body back. It's, okay, a, this is it's a great awesome. story. Yeah, doesn't it sound awesome? <laughs> and, and I'm like, Annie, these are vampires. I'm like, no, 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 I know. I, I like this. Anne Rice's vampires, are they're very, she, does, she does very, like, romanticized vampires, too. Yeah, and, okay. And, and, you know, with, with, with more than a touch of homoeroticism thrown in. So, <laughs> no, it's like, that's just I how mean, she writes to. them. <laughs> you have to. You know, just Lots cut of, to the chase. giving his best friend, he turned into a vampire. Lots of long... <laughs> longing glances type shit you know (laughs) and even some weird longing glances with his mom too it's like this is getting weird and yeah (laughs) are you trying to tell us something yeah what sort of weird shit was ann rice into right it's like kind of therapeutic for her and you're like "Ooh, do you need therapy (laughs) but that's i it's i'm glad that you told me that because i had no idea that the two queen of the damned and interview with the vampire were connected i had no idea yeah i just yeah. knew that was the movie with Aaliyah, and that's it that's wow there okay was, there was two oh. other of her books that that i was absolutely obsessed with for the longest time one is called the mummy or ramsey's the damned <gasps> Ooh. and it's just this fantastic like 
mummy story that takes place at like the turn of the century. Ooh. Like it's it's like, really, really great. And it's also a really good love story too. Oh, see, I'm not crazy about love stories. I I won't watch a- one where if, they, if that's the only thing, but if it's mm. just like a really good theme and an otherwise good adventure story, I'm right on there with you. <laughs> that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. If it's like the main thing, like Titanic is... <laughs> <laughs> like, parts were great as a kid i ate it up of course but then yeah getting older i'm like no the scenes where they focus on the people on the boats and what was happening in the situation the period piece so more interesting right. yeah 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 it's just yeah so if it's the main thing it has to be really good for me to do it um my, but, my all-time favorite Anne rice book is called um servant of the bones servant and that's like a genie story what yeah so it it like starts off to where like there's these like gold-plated bones that that you know like they're all like kind of wired together like a skeleton Mm -hmm. and like if you have these bones you can like you know call on the spirit that's in them to come out and it'll serve you well it goes back into the history of this thing. And it's like, it was like this kid living in like Mesopotamia, like in Babylon or something like that. And he like is, ends up like working in the household of like some sorcerer or something like that. And that dude like puts this spell on him where basically puts him alive into like a pot of molten gold. And so like, yeah, like reduces his body down to where all that's left is you know just the bones and they're all coated in gold and for the longest time like he's doing the bidding of like this sorcerer and all these other sorcerers that follow but then after the centuries go on he gets powerful enough to where every time somebody calls him forth he just shows up long enough to kill him and then goes back to sleep and then eventually someone gets him to where he finds that person kind of interesting and and so then he's like, okay, I'm not going. And I think it's a woman. And he's like, I'm not going to kill her. It's been long enough now since I've read it. I need to revisit it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember just being absolutely enamored with it. And mostly it was all that deep history stuff, you know, where it's like, yep. wow, what an amazing, rich, cool yes. history she wrote with this. And she did the same thing in like Queen of the Damned, where it's got all this super like, because, you know, like the the queen and all the oldest vampires are you know, like, like thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. And so that, that sort of stuff, it just tickles my imagination. And yeah, so Servant of the Bones, I can't recommend yeah. enough. It's so good. Ooh. Yeah, I am writing these all down. Because <clears throat> I need more books. <laughs> I really do. But I'm also, you know, I'm very interested in that. If it's different takes, you know, and like you said, if you incorporate history as well, I, I love that. I'll eat that up. Oh, yeah. Do you ever Give read any, like, historical fiction? Um, I mean, actually, I'm reading The Devil in the White City, which is based on a real serial, uh, serial killer, H.H. H. Holmes. He was like our uh, Jack the Ripper, basically, in the 1800s. But they kind of created, like, a fictional story to go around it with the current events. Didn't he have, um, like, a murder hotel or something like that? Yes! Yeah, they kind of like based a little bit of American Horror Story hotel season on him. Yes, you're right. Yep, yep. They based it on him. He had, uh, God, he got away with so much. But basically, he made this big, I would liken it to a mall in terms of he had like a 
you know, a beauty shop. And then, yeah, you could stay up in the third and fourth floors and he constructed this whole building himself so that he could make booby traps and have a furnace down in the basement big enough to, you know, uh, burn bodies, things like this. And, and I think it's not there anymore in Chicago. They, you know, ripped it down, but it's just, and I'm into true crime. So I, you know, I love that stuff, but you know, it is a little, you know, some stuff, uh, is made up, but you know, I'll do historical fiction here and there if it's good enough for me. Um, I guess, yeah, it really depends. It really depends on it, on the topic. Like, did you ever read like the Da Vinci Code? I did. I did. <laughs> I, I It's kind of popcorn, but book. man, he did a lot of research before he wrote that. I mean, yeah, I, I really liked that. And I think, you know, one of the things I do, which I think a lot of people do, uh, if you watch a movie or read a book about a subject, you go and you do your own research. So I know people were saying like he didn't get everything right, but you know he is writing a story, so he might mold certain things to fit whatever he's doing. But also it prompts people to research things, and you know so yeah, like like you said, it was just popcorn fun. It was fun to read. It was a quick read, um, but that's it. I, I would say. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do. One of my favorite books is Frankenstein for sure, which I think has a lot of parallels to Jurassic Park, which I think that's why I love it so much. But it was also the fact that I read it. Uh, it was my senior year of high school and, you know, it was the last semester. So everyone, of course, is like, I don't want to do anything. And of course, this book, if you've ever read it, it's, it is very heavy. It's Victorian language, you know. So it is quite a meal to get through, but I just remember before I read it thinking, okay, I know this story. I know, you know, the Boris Karloff type monster movie, you know, with the bolts in the neck, everything like that. Not knowing that Frankenstein is the doctor, things like that. And then after I read it, I was just like, holy shit, this is so different from what I thought of that story. Like this completely flipped everything and it's so philosophical same thing with jurassic park where you know on the brink of a scientific you know exploration and you know finding all these new things you know as humans we do have to draw a line at a certain point and where do you draw the line how do you all agree on the line where it should be one of my favorite lines for jurassic park by uh ian malcolm was you know, you're so preoccupied with whether or not you could, you never questioned whether or not we should. And it's just that. that, right? And it, it carries on to today. I think you can apply that to any time during our history. And especially in the 19th century, you know, with the whole scientific revolution, discovering more things, you know, doing vivisections, you know, doctors operating on bodies for the first time, trying to see what they could do. You know, I love how Mary Shelley incorporates that historical aspect into it. And it just gave it many more layers than, you know, I I just was completely surprised by that book. And then also just Mary Shelley. Like, I was 18 when I read it, and she was 18 when she wrote it. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I would not she be able to. She was 18 when she wrote that? What a genius. Yes. Right? Right? Holy just- shit boggles my mind i mean yeah yeah so it's just all of that just 
stunned me. And uh, yeah, so that's why I love it. But it is, it's a hard read. <laughs> it is, but I just yeah. Love well, some, that's just the way those older books. Like I remember kind of having a bit of an experience like that when I read The Count of Monte Cristo for the first time. Oh yes, it just right? it's like okay, yeah. Well, they wrote this a, f- a couple hundred years ago. You know? <laughs> they, they talked a bit a different back then. <laughs> right, you have to get into the rhythm, and once you do, it does help. But man, that must be yeah. I have to reread that, the Monte Cristo. Did you see the movie version the, that they did? Yes, with Jim Caviezel. Yes. Yeah, and that's that actually what made me cow- read the book. Like, I loved the oh. movie so much that I was like, I'm going to read this book. And so I oh, remember my- going to Barnes & Noble, and I remember oh. I had to go to the desk and ask for it. And the, <gasps> the lady's like, are you doing like a report or something? I'm like, no, I just want to read it. And oh. she's like, "She's like, you're just buying the Count of Monte Cristo for fun. And I'm like, yep, kids yeah. still do that. <laughs> or you know i was probably so in my young sweet. 20s at the time right somewhere right. somewhere like, in there whenever that movie came out right oh god yeah i forget i'm like i remember henry cavill is in it yeah caviezel caviezel oh no, or oh, wait, wait it's henry cavill and jim caviezel oh jim caviezel's in it and then um is henry, like is, henry, of- is henry cavill in it let me make sure. I, I know. Um, oh, it's. Oh, oh what's his, the Pierce. other guy? Yes, that guy. And I think he plays the son, uh, Henry Cavill. Oh, that's probably why I didn't even recognize him because he's playing. Right? Yeah, he's playing like, what, yes. Albert or something like that? Yeah. No yeah, fucking way. Yeah, yeah, that's him. That's him. Yeah, and I'm. That's crazy. I am on the Yeah. And. What's so funny is I remember seeing that movie and thinking, who is this young kid trying to be a hot shot? And he's never going to get anything. <laughs> Here he is. Here he is today. Yeah. Yep. Henry Cavill. Albert <laughs> Mondego. How about that shit? That blows he's my so fucking funny. mind. Okay, right? Right? That's like, this is the time when I found out that Andy Serkis is not from New Zealand and he's actually from England. That's like the moment you're having right now where I'm just like, what the <laughs> fuck? I swear to God he was a Kiwi. And I still can't get over. I think they're wrong. I don't think he knows, but he's wrong. He's from New Zealand and it bothers me. But yeah. yeah uh, Richard go. Harris was incredible in that too. <gasps> OG Dumbledore. I, God, he was the oh, yeah. best Dumbledore. Oh, wasn't he? Yeah, he was way oh. better than the other guy. Yeah. Not saying, like, Michael Gambon. Yeah, there you go. He's good, but not for that role. He wasn't, I, Richard I, Harris yeah. just, like, embodied that character, like, perfectly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I was saying, we just did, a, on Steve's podcast, we did a, a, a review of the first half of Harry Potter and we were talking about that. And I was like, yeah, what bothers me is that this Dumbledore, the one that Richard Harris does, I feel like I could run to him and tell him all my problems and he would just help me. Whereas the new one, I'd be so scared to like bother him. He just feels very aggressive and you're just like, oh, never mind. What's the matter? I don't know. He's it's okay. super aggressive. That, that scene in Goblet of Fire when like after <sighs> Harry's name comes out, he like fucking throws him over a table almost. <laughs> I'm like, what is, like, 
Dumbledore is not the guy who's going to go and lay hands on a student. Like, what the fuck was happening here? He's the wise wizard. He's like Gandalf. Like, I'm not saying he's perfect, but still, like, that's the wise old man. And then, yeah, you have Michael Gambon being like, Harry Potter! Oh, God. I'm so scared of you. Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Why? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. God, screw that. (laughs) Uh, It's been really delightful talking to you, Anne. Oh, same here. Again, really, I really appreciate it that you're entertaining me. (laughs) <laughs> no but this has been absolutely terrific and i i really appreciate it and man well, i appreciate you, probably, you like, coming on it, it's like i said it's been really delightful to talk to you um yeah. where can people find more of you on the internet um well i am on uh my cousin steve's podcast here and there i pop in every now and then um so it's kind of sporadic but um yeah seen it definitely listen to it and uh if you can support them on patreon that would be that would help and you know it's family so family matters <laughs> there you go <laughs> i love seeing cast it's such a great episode and and um you know i had so much fun having kove and steve both on here and yes um, that yeah, was I, a treat to listen to <laughs> i can't recommend their <laughs> podcast enough like if if you want to know you know, what's going on with, with, uh, you know, current movies and, and even on, um, some older stuff too, on, on their Patreon episodes, they've, they've got you covered and, and that's where you can hear more of Anne as well. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you all very much for listening until next time. This has been Starkcast.